Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. It has been almost seven months since the Detroit Red Wings played a hockey game. We've had a pandemic, a weird playoffs where a division rival won the cup. We've had the biggest joke of a draft lottery any sport's ever seen, maybe ever. It's all in the past. This is the week. This is the week we've been waiting almost seven months for. I don't even care anymore that we're picking fourth and not first. We have three second round picks. We're taking on bad contracts and getting more picks. Free agency is going to be complete silly season. There's going to be some weird trades. This is the week. And I am amped for the first time about the Detroit Red Wings since Mantha's four goal game in October. We have waited almost, it was a three and a half months beyond when we were supposed to for the NHL draft that we were supposed to be at. We had flights and hotel booked in Montreal for that. Supposed to be our first one. We haven't had hockey, like Brad said, in so much uh, in for an expanded period of time. Not a ton of games. We lost about a dozen games, but still, that's an extra dead space. I think if this draft was a week later, neither of us, none of us would have made it. It would have been only Evan doing the podcast because, Brad, you and I would have descended into pure, like, unbridled hysteria and insanity. I'm, I was... I consider yeah. myself at this point very well versed on prospects going into the third and fourth rounds. I have a full-time job and two kids. That should not be possible. The other day on the couch, I was or sitting on the couch with Mel and uh, she was asking how draft prep was going and she was she kind of implied like, oh, you guys must be like really brushed up and i was like yeah we are but i'm also now like unironically hoping for detroit to pick the most off the board pick possible just because it'll be funny and i want to feel something (laughs) well that's what the second round's for we've been covering second round prospects like in decent depth in terms of like quantity of players covered not necessarily how deep we dive into them and they've never picked any of them like, I think last year out of their three second round picks, the only one that we talked about was Master Simone. Um, and I think we got lucky with Grava slipping into third round. The year before when they took... We did talk about Cider. He just didn't end up being a second round pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the year before, I believe we talked about Bergeron, but not McIsaac. So it's like... Yeah, it's it, it. I don't. We have three picks, and I'm gonna not know any of them. I know the top 100 of this draft, and I won't know a single one of them. I'm ready for it. If we pick someone at four, though, that I'm unprepared for, I am gonna be upset. If we pick a player at four that we're like completely, we have not done a single profile. Like we've gone to down to Anton Lundell. We've done profiles on players that oh player we, that the Red Wings gonna pick. A cor- the the list I had that we were chipping at, we've covered 80% of the first round projected. So if they pick one of those guys, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. Because I think there were, out of my final top 31 rankings, I think there's six guys we didn't profile or something like that. Okay. So, folks, this is the Winged Wheel Podcasts. Um, one of the, probably our most 
uh, excited episode each year. It's one of our two biggest episodes each year. This is the NHL draft preview episode where we are going to cover the NHL draft from start to finish in terms of what to expect for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, We're going to do a mock draft in this episode. We're going to hint at some rankings, but there is going to be a a rankings Patreon exclusive episode as well um, for all of you Patreon supporters who have been uh, so amazing to us. we are going to talk about our preferences for the Red Wings picks, who the Red Wings are tied to, who it's most likely to be, um, everything from top to bottom, possible second round targets, the whole shebang. And then, of course, uh, we're recording this on Sunday. On Wednesday, after the second or after rounds two through seven of the draft, we are going to be our, doing our draft review episode, our recap episode, where we are going to take everything that actually happened and break that all down for you. Um of course, we're going to cover the actual draft as it's happening. A Winged Wheel podcast live stream is our biggest live stream every year. It's for the actual draft. Um, that is going to be happening on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed yet, youtube.com slash Winged Wheel podcast, hit that subscribe button. I think there's a little bell you click for notifications. I've been told to tell you guys that. I've never done that before. Um, and then you'll be notified when we go live. That'll be our coverage will start at 6 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And we are currently working out a Patreon uh, exclusive kind of hangout thing for the uh, second day of the draft on the Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. We're still working all that out. Okay. The background to this draft for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I hate to say it, but for any new listeners, why don't we give a quick rundown of the Red Wings in terms of their, you know, historically bad season and then how the draft lottery shook out. Brad, do you want to do the honors? No, not even a little. This is going to depress me when I'm currently happy. Okay, I'll do the honors. But actually, I should introduce ourselves first. Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm a totally legit draft guy, Brad Crisco. And I'm Water Log Singer. <laughs> no one will get that. But you Why? Know. We know? Yeah, because I was on the golf course all day in torrential oh downpour. Oh my God. So I'm no Water Logged Singer. That's I, Evan. I'll be honest, Evan I was expecting golf. a... I was thinking a pumpkin pie reference was coming, and I'm a little disappointed it didn't. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, this video is available in 4D, so you will smell pumpkin pie at some time. <laughs> yeah, scratch your screen. You'll you'll be able to sn- sniff it and smell the pumpkin pie. Uh, Evan has given us fair warning that in T-minus one hour, he will be standing up to retrieve a pie that's been cooling. Um, this is a man whose priorities we've never been able to discern with any meaning. <laughs> I need you have you no power over me, Ryan. At the start of the quarantine, I laid on the ground for the start of the episode and wrapped myself in a blanket. Now I'm going to eat that pumpkin pie. <laughs> Nothing he's saying is a lie either. <laughs> this is going to be an episode that's going to be great for the people on YouTube because now they're going to be waiting for the rest of the episode just for him completely unprompted and without mention just gets up, walks out of the room comes back nice little piece of pie with probably what i assume is three feet of whipped cream on top of it and uh yeah that will be <laughs> a, speaking of youtube a segment evan it's actually recording right yes yeah there we go okay the detroit red wings uh 2019 2020 season i'll keep it short and sweet for you guys um and sweet is used very loosely here uh an ugly season 17 wins 39 points was it um worst in the league by far they were so bad that at the time where uh the league stopped they were the only team to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs or they were the only team to be locked into that last or into their position which was last overall 31st overall 
That, of course, brought us to the draft lottery. Uh, the rules of the draft lottery were up in the air for uh, a little while there because the league didn't know, really know how they were going to do it because they didn't really know how, what the playoff format was going to be. What they landed on was 24 teams were going to make the playoffs or the play-in round and then the playoffs. But, you know, we all know what those were, which was the actual playoffs. Um, and then seven of those teams as well were able to – It was was it seven teams – that had to cross over into both the qualifying round and the draft lottery. Eight. Yeah. Eight of those teams. Yeah. Uh, joined the seven non playoff of any capacity teams in the draft lottery. The original anticipated percentages came through uh, and what was what was put into the uh, lottery machine. The Red Wings most likely pick was fourth overall, which meant they were going to drop down three spots. And lo and behold, uh, because nothing good happens for Detroit sports for the past 10 years. Uh, they dropped three spots to fourth overall. The New York Rangers won from a placeholder team. That's a whole different debacle. You guys have heard us screaming about that enough. And if you haven't, uh, you can feel free to check out our post-draft lottery episode and you'll get plenty of that. Um, but regardless, the Red Wings have been locked into this fourth overall pick for the first round of the NHL draft. So there is... Uh, I think more or less a bona fide top three of this draft, but really only two guys I would bet near a hundred percent to be in that top three. First of all, the first overall pick will be Alexi Lafreniere to the Rangers. You can bet all of your money on that. If you will find a bookie who will take odds on that, give them your money, make a little bit back, but I promise you that's a guaranteed bet. Quinton Byfield uh, is the other player that is likely, most likely to go in that top uh, three, and then followed by Tim Stutzla, although there is some anticipation that he might fall out of it. Uh, not much, but some. So that is our preamble into the NHL draft, how we got here, and how we led up to the Red Wings drafting fourth. Anything I'm missing, guys, before we start tackling who the potential picks are for Detroit? I mean, just a lot of screaming into the void. Oh, during this process but no other than that pretty spot on yeah okay um I, and i think we'll have plenty of that in this episode so red wings fourth overall i think what we should do is do a quick rundown a quick recap of all the potential red wings picks and just kind of give us spark notes on who those players are the probability of them and what they would mean for the red wings like how big of a success it would be if they were able to draft them there in our opinions Oh, perfect. Well, this is a little more fun. So let's assume Lafreniere, Stutzla, and Byfield are gone in the top three. Who are the options for the Red Wings? Well, you can argue there's six to eight players that the Red Wings could take in this range that would not be considered a reach. It's a, it's a very deep draft. We've said it before. It sucks that the Red Wings dropped to four, but this is arguably the best year in a long time to be picking in the top four or to have a guaranteed top four pick because of how strong it is. So we have Cole Perfetti, the all-around offensive dynamo out of Saginaw in the OHL. Elite playmaker, elite shot, uh, elite hockey IQ, real concerns about his skating and pace of play at the moment. There's Lucas Raymond, the SHL forward for, for Lunda, the uh, second coming of Mitch Marner, according to some people, just terrific in all aspects of the game compete agility hockey iq playmaking shot uh, him and perfetti both undersized forgot to mention that um raymond some questions about his ultimate upside due to the lack of production in the shl this year but he seems to be squashing those early in the shl season this year 
You have Alex Holtz, uh, the other half of the Terror Twins in Sweden over the last couple of years. The best shot in the draft, an elite goal scorer, underrated playmaker. Uh, not a great skater, but not a poor skater either. Is good enough to do what he needs to do, but just a, a scoring threat from anywhere in the offensive zone, and, and he knows how to find the space to do it. Jamie Drysdale, the elite skating transition to offensive defenseman. Not weak defensively, slightly undersized, great, great hockey IQ, and just an elite skater and passer, right-handed shot. Then you have the left-handed shot defenseman and elite skater in Jake Sanderson. Bigger than Drysdale, more of a defensive specialist, actually relative to where how players are progressing in their draft year. He is an elite defender for his age. Couple that with some A-plus skating and towards the end of the season, what seemed to be a flourishing offensive game. Who knows what could have been had the season not been cut short because he was picking up steam. So not the sexiest pick in the world, but makes sense for a lot of teams because of the way the NHL is trending. Yaroslav Askarov. The best goaltending prospect since Carey Price, elite athlete, elite technically, has a long track record of success in men's leagues, international tournaments, junior leagues, Southpaw, which is just fun. And uh, then we have Marco Rossi, the elite two-way center out of Austria via the Ottawa 67s. Uh, two-way tends to pigeonhole players into the category of limited offensively, but makes up for it with elite defense. Not in the case of Marco Rossi. He was over two points per game in the OHL this year. Asterix as an overager because he has a 2001 birthday due to his late birthday, but still just absolutely unreal production in the OHL coupled with a complete game despite being sub six feet tall. So I think I covered all the logical options for the Red Wings. Anybody outside of that, I think, would be considered a pretty big reach and a massive surprise. I would say an even bigger surprise than most Sider going sixth overall last year. Yeah. But it is Steve Eisenman. He is his own man. He thinks his own way. We have no idea what's going to happen. And uh, two players that I'm not, I, I'm pretty sure, Brad, you didn't mention them because it's not really too sensible to put too much stock into them. But because there still is a chance, uh, first, this is the smallest chance. Um, Quinton Byfield, the center out of uh, the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL, he is, if you can ask a GM what they want with their draft pick any given year, a huge, extremely talented, uh, skilled, uh, centerman who can dominate play, who can skate, who can do everything. Um, Quentin Byfield is the second overall pick, but in a lot of years would be considered the, or sorry, Quentin Byfield could be the second overall pick, but in a lot of years would be considered the best uh, prospect in his class. Um, he has the opportunity to be a franchise defenseman. We've seen some crazier theories about how he might fall to Detroit at fourth overall. Quentin I would Byfield call that as a forward. What did I say? You said defenseman. Ryan, Did I say defenseman? Yeah, former Ryan Hanna, former defenseman Ryan Hanna. <laughs> wow. I am mislabeling current forward Quentin Byfield as a defenseman. I think I meant to say centerman. Um, if Quentin Byfield falling to fourth overall would, I think, be a the biggest draft like upset in terms of drops in a long, long time. You just don't let a player like him drop. If he was a winger, maybe. But the fact that you have an opportunity to draft a franchise center here, not defenseman, so a little Steve Dangle moment. Um, 
I, I just don't see it happening. Still, it's technically possible. Um, it has a, a bigger chance of happening than Alexi Lafreniere, so that's why I'm going to mention him. And then second, uh, this is Moritz Sider's uh, friend, like legitimately his friend, plays for the same team that Moritz Sider was drafted from, the DEL, which is a pro league in Germany, uh, Adler Mannheim, and that would be Tim Stutzla. Uh, Tim Stutzla is an extremely, extremely adept skater, the probably the best skater in the draft, like great top end speed, but overall his skating is just like phenomenal i think better than drysdale's who is another really like cerebral skater in this draft uh he's a guy who uh wasn't really ranked in the top three probably until a little bit into the new year and has kind of stuck in that ranking so he's expected to go up there um excellent playmaker can do stuff at speed uh great skill great vision um not a ton to be said i think for his shot and there's probably a little bit wanted there in terms of uh where he plays in the offensive zone. Uh, but we're looking at Tim Stutzel possibly going second overall. That's how well he's regarded. So those are two guys who, like Brad said, uh, for on the, in the other direction would be a little bit of a surprise, but still technically possible. So um, let's talk about what the Red Wings and Steve Eisman specifically have been linked to at fourth overall. We're not going to be doing our rankings here. We're just going to be talking about the storylines in terms of what the expectation is for the Red Wings when they make uh, their pick. So the expectation going into it is we have no effing clue because it's Steve Eiserman. Let's, let's preface that with everything. There's lots of rumors and that's exactly what we're covering here, but there was no rumbling about Mo Sider to the Red Wings until the day of the draft. And it was even like a couple hours before the draft last year. So let's preface that. So, these are from various sources ranging from no coverage of the Red Wings generally to following them every day to tens of thousands of followers to a few thousand followers. So it, it's all over the place. So let's start with one of the Red Wings beat writers. Now, it's not from a source. It's just the drum she's beating. But Helene St. James is really on the Jamie Drysdale train. Now, that maybe that's because she's got some inside intel from the Red Wings that that's who they're eyeing. Maybe that's just who she likes. We don't know. Corey Pronman in his recent um, top prospects uh, list for the Athletic had the Red Wings uh, strongly linked to Cole Perfetti, and also he heard a lot of rumors around Askarov, and also said it was worth noting that he was hearing the Red Wings attached to Jake Sanderson and Lucas Raymond as well. This is what we're dealing with. One guy has four different sources saying four different things, so take that for what it's worth. Um, Sam Cosentino, the lead draft analyst who we had on our last episode, has called Cole Perfetti to the wings uh, uh, basically a lock um, for all the reasons he laid out in our last episode. And he's been banging that drum for a few months now since the draft lottery. Um, and then just there's been a couple other outside sources. I think they were European sources that said the Red Wings have have been connected to Lucas Raymond for whatever that's worth. So we haven't seen any connection to Marco Rossi yet or Alex Holtz. Um, so, and obviously I assume if Byfield or Stutzla drop, they would just take them. So I don't think we need any connections there. So that's kind of the prominent rumors floating around and out of the top, what is it? Six guys that the Red Wings could take. We've heard them connected to four of them. So I, I think that's a pretty good summation of what we can expect this year in the sense that we don't know what to expect right now. Yeah. <sighs> 
the the driving factor has been or the driving name has been Cole Perfetti. And I want to dig a little bit into him first. Um, I'm really, really glad we had Sam Costantino on last episode. Um, I'll be forthright. I don't quite agree wholeheartedly with a lot of what he said. And that's not to say I disrespect what he said. I thought his reasoning and his logic was totally sound. The reasoning he gave us uh, for Perfetti in terms of, you know, being really well connected to Detroit, you know, geographically, they're just in Saginaw, Michigan. Obviously, the scouts are going to have a lot of looks at him. Um, Devilano and Osgood being uh, part owners of the Saginaw spirit obviously is going to contribute to their familiarity with him. It's not like a nepotism thing where they have to draft their guys. That's not at all the case, but it just means they're really going to know the kind of player he is. Off the ice, Cole Perfetti is known as a, uh, like a, high level scholar, a really driven character dude. And that's the kind of thing that Eisman really values, um, works his ass off. Of course, that is the prototypical Eisman pick. And then of course, this is a kid who is a phenomenal, phenomenal playmaker, thinks the game extremely well. And that's something Eisman really, really values. Um, and he, he has the opportunity to play center. I don't know if he will, but there, whoever drafts him will probably draft him as a center. And you know, if the Red Wings do draft him, they've looked, watched him play an infinity amount of hours in, in oh, yeah. the uh, OHL. So you, I would still be very comfortable with that pick because you know they know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a great like qualifier for whoever Detroit picks. Like they've had all the time in the world. At this point, yeah, yeah. they really have. Um, and so all of that, that Sam Costantino brought up is extremely fair. And, and that would probably have led us independently had he never come out with what he said about Perfetti to think that Perfetti was the most likely pick like 100%. But the way Costantino put it out there was that it was a lock in his mind. And look, the guy's a pro. He's been around for a while. He's made these predictions before. He's been right a bunch. Like, I think he he did it because not for clicks, but because that's genuinely how he feels. But it was presented as Perfetti as a lock. And I think we're in a situation here where a lot of outlets and a lot of, you know, these draft minds have then just grabbed onto that because realistically, Steve Eisenman has not released any information. This is not the Ken Holland group. We have no idea what Steve Eisenman is thinking, what he wants. We had, what, two hours before the draft before we knew more at Cider could be a reality. And even then, no one really took it seriously. No one has anything. So I think people have just latched on to what Sam Costantino put out there. And if he came on our, our show and said, yeah, I, I have a, like, I have a source. I can't say obviously, but I, I, I've talked to some guys and this is the idea of who it's going to be. That would be enough for me to say, yeah, I, I'm almost positive it's going to be perfect. But that wasn't there. And there's, of course, the opportunity that, you know, Sam can't go out and say that. And that's always uh, something that's floating in the air. But, in reality, what we have to go on with Perfetti, I think, has just gone off of conjecture. Really, really strong reasoning behind it. Again, I agree with all of it, but it's not enough for me to say that, yeah, definitely Perfetti is the guy and we've had all, all these signs. I think we're genuinely going into this blind. Oh, we absolutely are going into this blind. Again, it's the way Steve Eisenman operates. And I know people have speculated that, oh, is Eisenman throwing out like fake rumors himself? to throw other teams off, which to me still doesn't make sense. We know how the top three is going 99 out of a hundred times in this draft. Eisman has his pick of the litter. The only reason he would throw out smoke signals to throw someone off is to get Ottawa to panic and take their guy at three because they think the Red Wings are going to take him at four and they won't get him at five. 
which could explain why there's so many names out there floating around. Because, I mean, this would be a 40 chess move from Eisenman, but I'd be here for it if he's like, okay, we think we, we've heard Ottawa's connected to Raymond, Sanderson, and Askarov. All right, we got to get those names out for us because we want them to think that maybe we'll take one of those guys and then they might panic and take him at three. Then Byfielder shoots a fall. I don't think that's what's happening. I think that would be, uh, I don't even, a galaxy, all time galaxy brain move if he's doing that and it works. But I, I Ottawa's already said they're taking one of the two. So I, I don't think Eisenman's going to waste his time with that. But hey, from an entertainment standpoint, I love this. We have oh, no yeah. idea. We, I, I didn't love the most cider pick when we make it, admittedly, but oh, was it like high value entertainment? Like our live stream, the, Everybody on TV's reactions, Twitter's reaction, <laughs> it was magnificent. So yeah. going Insider's into this reaction. Year, oh, Cider <laughs> himself. Yeah. Um, so I'm here for it. I love it. We genuinely have no clue what is going to happen. And because it's the fourth overall pick in such a strong draft, it's more fun because we know this pick changes the franchise. And and you don't want to put that much pressure on one kid, but it almost doesn't matter who they pick. Whoever they pick is immediately this team's best prospect. Has to be. Yeah. They reached for Mo Sider to get him at six, two picks later. If they're picking a guy at four, this is the guy. So even if they pick Yaroslav Askarov or Jake Sanderson, you will have to be able to make the argument he is their best prospect. We're like we're looking at a, a pick here where you know we've identified uh We've identified guys who are like, oh, we're not going to like lose our minds over this pick, but we'd be pretty disappointed. And that guy is a, you know, really strong two-way defenseman who fits on the left side, which is exactly what Detroit needs, who could be an absolute steal of a pick and be a franchise defenseman. Like that's what we're talking about here. That is the strength of this draft. Whoever Detroit picks will be their best prospect and it won't be close. And that's not a knock on Cider, and it's not a knock on Zadina. It's not a knock on Valeno. Or- I don't consider Zadina a prospect anymore. He's a red. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, this pick is is has huge ramifications. We had a question. Um, I, I I said question. It was a little bit more of a rant where someone kind of got on us for saying, you know, the Red Wings can't miss on this pick. The Red Wings can't miss on this pick. And that's not to say like Eisenman has to get this perfect, but I think it's more. We when we say that, we, what we mean more is what we've just kind of put forward, which is the impact of this pick will be one of like the the signing moments of this rebuild, either successful or a failure. We're going to look back to this draft. I will say blatantly, they can't miss on this pick because who knows how long they're going to be this bad. And I know that that actually sounds optimistic on after a doom and gloom statement, but uh, Valeno, Rasmussen, uh, Zadina, Sider, all these guys are coming in. They're younger and they're only going to get better. So the Red Wings won't be basement feeders for like five years. Eisenman's not going to try and improve the team for five years, but the only way you get cornerstone pieces, you get those top end centers, those elite scoring wingers, those top two defensemen. The only way you get them nowadays is through the draft. You have fourth overall in a strong, strong draft. I'm not saying the Red Wings have to make the absolute 100% best pick. So if anybody behind their pick is better than their pick, it's a complete failure. I'd be slightly disappointed. It's like the Zadina Hughes thing. I love Zadina. I think he's going to be a great player, but I think we would all take Hughes in a do-over. Um, that A scenario like that is acceptable. But if they pick a Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, and uh, let's say that's 
Perfetti hypothetically, and then Lucas Raymond pops off for 95 points. Yeah, no, that's that's a problem. That is a miss, and they can't have that. That that's the reality of rebuilding in the NHL. The way you rebuild is through the draft. And the way you rebuild through the draft is by hitting on your picks. Only time will tell. Yeah. Uh we've talked about like uncertainty and you know looking at retrospect quite a bit and no matter what like we're gonna we're talking about all these guys we're gonna talk about probably like we just mentioned i don't know what 10 guys brad um multiple of them will be considered busts in in five six years we'll look back and say yeah that guy did not pan out as expected that guy didn't even make the show and that guy was like kind of a big flop actually you look back over the last uh, handful of years very few top 10 picks bust not all of them live up to what we thought they would but it's actually a pretty good right. percentage which makes me feel a little better it does make you feel a little better They're, they are getting better and more proficient at this each year yeah the but, scott the scott glennies in the top 10 don't happen very often anymore no like the fact that a uh, for a, a disappointing result for a lot of red wings fans like the lucas raymond and cole perfetti people uh is marco rossi I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm happy. Like, I don't think we're going to walk away from this upset. I, I think like, I don't even want to call it upset, but like out of the, well, let's see. We, we basically been talking about, if you include Lafreniere in this, the top nine or 10 guys on my draft board. And I think the only one that I would sit there and go, I, I, I don't, I can say I don't like this is probably Askarov just because I, I subscribe to Prashant's, Prashant's theory about why you don't draft goalies, but that's a whole nother uh, path to go down, which we're not going to. And he could still be the franchise goalie. So if one out of nine is like, ah, that, that kind of sucks, that's not bad odds. Now that I've said that, we are absolutely taking Askarov. And I will still be a little upset, but go, but yeah, we solved a pretty damn big issue. <laughs> so it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Just pray that he doesn't bust at that point because goalies are voodoo. Yeah, the chaotic evil on the scale of me wants the Askarov pick. Even though I know I'll, I'll hoot and holler and, and scream and shout about it, it would be funny as hell to do all of this debate and, and discussion on Rossi and Perfetti and Raymond and have it just come out and be Askarov. Um, okay. So we've talked about Perfetti's links to Detroit in terms of Raymond, um, obviously, uh, Hakan Anderson, who is the, uh, prolific Red Wings head of European scouting, um, will be very, very familiar with the European, uh, prospects over there, uh, Stutzel and Raymond included. Um, Anderson is, is noted for tapping the most, some of the most, uh, noteworthy Swedish players of all time because most of them played for the Red Wings in the past. And so there's a lot of lines being drawn between uh, Raymond and uh, Anderson for that reason. And I think that's fair. Um, I wouldn't go so far to say it's a certainty, but I'd say Raymond is definitely on their radar. Um, a big storyline with Lucas Raymond is that his past season, not the one that's currently being played, but the one before, uh, he was buried on the fourth line on a very, very strong Forlunda team, barely played any minutes. And... Uh, scouts and draft people were saying no this kid is incredibly incredibly talented don't discount him but nonetheless he did fall down a lot of draft boards um my thought is if the red wings are big on raymond they've been big on raymond because hakan anderson is a pro and obviously knows to suss out talent even if they aren't getting a ton of minutes um so i do lend a lot of credibility to raymond being a potential pick for the red wings 
and then Askarov won. Askarov's going to be a natural one because the Red Wings obviously have a huge hole in net. Um, they have Jonathan Bernie playing there right now and then free agent undetermined. That's not a long-term solution, of course. They're going to need to fill that at some point. And then Jake Sanderson... Eisenman said he doesn't want to pick for positional need. He wants to pick the best player available. But Jake Sanderson um, is one of the best players in the draft, uh, top 10 for sure, and fills a direct position of need, which is the left side of the defense. Uh, the Red Wings defense has been abysmal since Steve Eisman was a player, pretty much. Um, and so a little bit after that. And so Eisman will look to rebuild that as well, which is why the Sanderson thing makes a lot of sense to me as well. Any other thoughts you guys have on terms of, uh, you know, links that the Red Wings have to these players in terms of uh, who's most probable. Absolutely not. I'm just ready for silly season and preparing for Seth Jarvis. If it's Seth Jarvis, I'll die. I, I like Clip that everybody. <laughs> I'll die just because I don't have any, like I will not be prepared for when it's Seth Jarvis. Um, okay. So why don't we get to a mock draft? And what we're going to do is we're going to take turns drafting what in just an order so you know evan or someone will go first brad or someone will go second and then so on um we're not going to be picking per team we're going to do the first round plus one pick and when we get to the red wings pick fourth overall uh that person is going to make their pick and then we are then going to step into a side discussion where each of us say who we want the pick to be who we would pick in that spot and then rank in in some uh, tiers as to how we would feel about these picks. How about you sell me on your pick for the Red Wings, and I'll try and sell you on mine. And Brad will try to sell you on his. Or what if we all have the same pick? I've seen our rankings. This is going to be pretty predictable. I just I just actually wrote mine out while Ryan was talking. You said yours on last episode. Unless you change them in the last four days, I know what your rankings are. I think they have. Okay, you think good. Evan can't change his mind in four? Evan's changed his mind six times since you just spoke. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Evan was briefly the president of Brazil during this conversation. Also true. I've made some great reforms. Uh, Rainforest, for or against? Big four guy. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Predictable. The only Anyhow. time I hate trees is on the golf course. <laughs> Which yeah, he again. would build many of in said rainforest. <laughs> 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 okay uh how do we want to determine who's going first overall i'll go first all right evan first <laughs> i'll go third. um the new york yep. rangers will easily select the best player in this draft alexi lafreniere okay and that was evan picking for the rangers i will pick second overall okay we should talk about this are we doing what we think will happen or our mock draft like Hybrid. Well, we would, we'll do a hybrid. Okay. I'm not going to galaxy brain this. I know people are talking about Tim Stutzla. I know people have talked about Jamie Drysdale. I really don't think that Quentin Byfield should be passed on. I think he's been over scouted even, which is why he's fallen down draft boards. You don't pass up on Quentin Byfield second overall. If you have too many great centers, there's worse problems to have. The LA Kings take Quentin Byfield second overall. Brad for the Ottawa Senators by way of San Jose. The Ottawa Senators are proud to select Tim Stutzla. I thought you were going to do it. I wanted to, I wanted third because I just wanted to have at least one ultra easy pick. 
Okay. Evan, your pick first for the Detroit Red Wings, and you sell us on it. I sell you on it. Well, the Red Wings are quite happy because the player they're going to draft is better than Tim Stutzla. It's Lucas Raymond. Ooh, bold proclamation. Why I say that? He plays in a harder league. Uh, I like his... uh, What am I going to say? I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. He creates his own space by his skill. I think Tim Stutzla benefits a little bit from his speed, which he will, you know, that will slow down a little bit in the NHL with the bigger, faster bodies. Um, I like his two-way game a little bit better than Tim Stutzla, and I think it's a little bit more NHL ready. I've been flip-flopping Raymond and Stutzla at number three for like six months now. Um, so I will not argue the pick Lucas Raymond at all. Um, I mean, to me, I I've said there's a tier of four in this draft and I, I think the gap between four and five is closed for me, but there's still, that's still the tier. Um, so yeah, if Stutzla and Byfield are gone and I'm the Red Wings GM, I'm sprinting to the stage to take Lucas Raymond, but I'm, I'm not getting the feeling that's actually what's going to happen. My pick as well, just like these guys. And told you. Yeah. Lucas Raymond, I, I genuinely believe that he is a guy who fell too far in people's minds because of a uh, season where he was limited in terms of ice time. Um, he is a winger. The, there's no chance of him playing center, which of course is um, that's, that's a shortcoming compared to some other guys. But at the same time, not all play driving forwards play center. Um, and Lucas Raymond would be an example of a prospect where if he panned out, he can drive the play from the wing. He's extremely skilled. He has some of the best vision and playmaking ability in this draft class. Um, he is really not, he does not have any massive, massive flaws in his game. And not only that, he is taking this extended offseason as an opportunity to get stronger and faster. One thing that was talked about was that he needs to build, put muscle on his frame, and he's already done that. He started off this SHL season extremely hot. This is a guy who checks so many different boxes for the Red Wings, and just because he's not a center, I think he's being overlooked. I think he's a less risky pick than um, Cole Perfetti, and I think his ceiling is exactly as high if it's lower it's not by much and i think it arguably could be higher um and like brad mentioned you could very easily interchange him and tim Stutzla in terms of where they would be ranked and i don't think people could scoff too much if the red wings get lucas raymond it's the most excited i'll be for a prospect probably in a long time um most drafts you don't get a a player of lucas raymond's caliber at fourth overall that's that's my sale on lucas raymond okay now, uh, let's talk about who the other picks Wait, Brad, could... did you go? Yes. Who did you say? Raymond. Oh, sorry. I said I You're agree. just copying me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's definitely how this has went over <laughs> the last six months. Gosh. I wish you okay. could do your own thing. Uh, maybe next year. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, other picks. So I'm going to start us off here just to give us a little bit of a framework. Um, I'm going to give us let's say three or four tiers and I'm going to group them. I'm not going to rank these guys. We're going to save that for the Patreon exclusive ranking episode, but I'm going to separate them into tiers. So you guys have an idea of how I'm going to feel on draft day. First, the here is um, the pipe dream picks. I'm not even 
even going to include uh, Alexi Lafreniere in there um, because it's not happening. That list is pretty much Quentin Byfield and Tim Stutzla. Um, Either of those guys falling means an almost instant draft pick. It's not going to happen. It's almost grayed out in my mind. I'm not anticipating that happening. If it does happen, I'll probably jump through the window and enjoy, especially if it's Quentin Byfield. If the Red Wings get Quentin Byfield, in my mind, it's almost like they won the draft lottery. Now, the next tier is my preferred pick. And I'll give you, obviously, the preferred one is Lucas Raymond. And so he could almost jump up over Tim Stutzla in terms of rankings, if you want to consider it that way. But Lucas Raymond is the first in that tier. And the next two, in no particular order, are Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi. Those are two guys where I think they're the equal mix of Detroit's needs, high-end talent, and swinging for the fences. Marco Rossi is the quintessential Steve Eisenman player. Cole Perfetti could solve a lot of problems for Detroit and be a true franchise player if this guy actually pans out for what he could be. I think he carries some more risk, but you're drafting fourth overall. You need to be ready to take that risk. My next tier is... I'm fine with this, but I'm a little anxious. Jamie Drysdale fits in there. I will never scoff at having a defenseman of Jamie Drysdale's caliber. He would instantly become Detroit's best offensive uh, defenseman in terms of uh, how he projects. Probably their best defensive prospect over Mo Sider as well. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. I'll put Jake Sanderson in that tier just because... I don't think he's the fourth best player in this draft, but again, we talked about that uncertainty before. Um, If he turns out to be, you know, 90% as good as the best player or the best player in that range that was available, I'm still happy and he feels a need for Detroit. And my last tier is fuck it, we'll do it live. And that's Yaroslav Askarov. It's completely off the board. It's absolutely wild. It goes against so much of what I believe, but shit, if Steve Eisman's up for it, let's do it. Buckle up. And yeah. And this is the confirmation of Ryan Hanna's very anti-Alex Holtz stance. Oh, that's very fair. Stick Alex Holtz in the fine but anxious tier. Yeah, sorry about that. So you basically copied my tier, so I'm just going to put a different name on mine. So mine is the, I actually have the balls to put him in this tier, top tier of Quentin Byfield, Tim Stutzla, and Lucas Raymond. He's in that tier in my mind he's that good and i will not tolerate the disrespect the next tier for me would be the rousing golf clap which includes cole perfetti and marco rossi and that's the end of that tier for me where i am very content i'm happy i understand that i didn't get lucas raymond who's probably still on the board and that's going to leave some slight concern in my mind but any other year if we get a cole perfetti or a marco rossi at four i'd be doing backflips and hell, I still might do some backflips. My next tier, the approving nod with a little bit of side eye would be Jamie Drysdale, Jake Sanderson, and Alex Holtz. Like I said, you copied my tiers entirely, you bastard. Uh, Drysdale, love the player, probably my favorite, eh, second favorite pick out of this tier, but he has fills the least amount of need in the Red Wings current lineup. Sanderson, I've really come around on. And uh, Alex Holtz, because he's a weapon on the power play and Detroit needs a player like him. Um, Team Chaos is Yaroslav Askarov. And then the I'll actually question Steve Eisman for the first time in my life would be anybody I haven't already mentioned. How many uh, tiers did you guys do? 
I don't know. Three. One, three, two, or four. Three. I had five, technically. For me, it's the, oh my God, why are we not sprinting up to the podium? The Zoom podium? <laughs> um, and telling, you know, pressing the little button that says go faster um, would be, you know, Lafreniere, obviously, Byfield, obviously, and Raymond and Stutzla. Or no, I'll, yeah. I had Raymond at three in my rankings. Mm-hmm. So I will say Raymond is a run up to the to the board. I I feel like that would receive some heavy criticism since he's a lot further down on a lot of people's boards. Um, so that's my run up uh, to the to the board. Um, I'd say Tim Stutzla has a foot in that as well. Um, I would say he him and Raymond kind of like overlap in two tiers, like the run up to the board slash. Oh my god, we got this player. Um, people who I'm fine with, um, would be someone like Cole Perfetti. I, I really like his small, his small ice game. Um, don't like his skating, but you know, there's been worse skaters that have had long successful careers in the NHL. Um, who else would I put there? Uh, it, it, it really kind of thins out when it's the, the Raymond, perfetti i like rossi but i feel like his ceiling isn't quite as high as some of the other ones but his floor is quite high um another guy i've that's actually really grown on me that you guys have mentioned is is jake sanderson as well at first i was really against that you know that pick but the more i got to watch him uh some of the quotes that scouts have about him and i think he would actually be a very good fit on this team in the future um and then sort of the oh my god i'm gonna rip my headphones out and jump into the lake again tier um that would be anyone outside of the consensus top 10 so who did i have you know i I would also be happy with drysdale but ripping my headphones out i would be not very happy about uh, getting holtz i don't think he's the best value at four um I would actually be rattled if we draft a goalie at four. <laughs> I think the value of that pick is not good. I don't think you take a goalie that high anymore, especially with such a strong um, forward group in this draft. Yeah, basically anyone outside the top top 10, like a Seth Jarvis, even like Jack Quinn, I'd be pretty upset we didn't at least trade back a few spots if that was our guy. Um you know what? I honestly wouldn't even be. I would wouldn't even be that upset about Anton Lundell. He's also grown on me a bit, but I, once again, I don't see the value in picking him at four when there's other guys who will be better or more highly rated than him in the future. So and that has been this edition of the Wing Wheel Podcast. Is also an echo chamber. <laughs> so we have those are our preferred tiers in terms of who the most likely picks are order i'd say order one two three quick just right off the top of your head in order who are the most likely picks for the red wings at number four from who do i think are the three most likely that we should all be mentally preparing for in order perfetti raymond sanderson oh this echo chamber i'm gonna go i'm gonna go perfetti raymond rossi i think i still think no you know what I'm going to switch that. I'm going to th- I'm going to say Raymond Perfetti Rossi. 
I'm I'm I know it's a little bit off the board to say Perfetti's not the most likely pick, but I I do think we're we might get a surprise here. I, I I'm almost predicting, acknowledging that Perfetti <laughs> makes the most sense with what we know. I'm gonna go Raymond Perfetti Rossi. I'm gonna say Perfetti Rossi Drysdale. Yeah, can't rule out Drysdale. Um, and speaking of which, we're going to continue the mock draft. Uh, I'm going to go fifth overall for the Ottawa Senators. Their second pick, they took Stutzla third overall. And I know a lot of Sens fans want them to go with another forward, but I don't think they're going to walk away without Jamie Drysdale fifth overall. Okay, uh, sixth for the Ducks, Brad. The Anaheim Ducks, a team on the downswing, struggling everywhere, a team that has always prided themselves on being a well-rounded team. So what better way to be a well-rounded team than to draft a well-rounded player? The Ducks are taking Marco Rossi. That's a great pick. Ryan, who did you say before I Uh, say Anton Latell and Seth Jarvis again? (laughs) Did you say, sorry, Rossi? Uh, I I took Drysdale and Brad took Rossi, yeah. This time I'm actually trying to scratch out the names that you guys have already taken so I don't fuck this up. What about Bowen Byram? Is he available? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) We'll see. Don't don't you worry. We're getting down my board quickly. Um, Sorry, that's Drysdale and Rossi are gone? Yeah. Thank you. Um, So I have New Jersey, right? New Jersey, one for one Devils. (laughs) Yes. Um, They will, just to confirm, have we said Cole Perfetti yet? We have not. Okay. They will take Cole Perfetti with their pick. Okay. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Ugh, this is a tough one for them. Um, I'm going to go Holtz. I'm going to go Holtz just because he might be that sneaky player within the top 10 who might be a top three pick by the time it's all said and done. Uh, nine for Minnesota, Brad. Ooh, this, this is tricky because... I based on my rankings, I would be pretty comfortable taking one player here, and I don't mm-hmm. think that player makes any sense for Minnesota, so I am not going to take him. So with the ninth overall pick, the Minnesota Wild are proud to select absolute chaos, Yaroslav Askarov. You did it. All right, Evan, tenth for Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets. Hmm. A little bit of a conundrum because I'm not a big fan of anyone they have on defense. Uh, but I think there's a better forward sitting around still. Um, how would your top three centermen being Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, and Anton Lundell sound? They will take Anton Lundell. You're a big Lundell guy, huh? Yeah. Lundell guy. Yeah, that, that wouldn't have been my pick there, but you do, you Evan. Jake Sanderson doesn't fall this far in the actual draft, I don't think. No, but I, I'm also, I think Winnipeg's his grocery stick. I can't see Winnipeg passing on him with how thin their defense is right now. Yeah. That said, I don't think that's who Nashville is going to go with 11th overall. I think Nashville is going to try to grab um, a centerman out of Portland in the WHL, and they're going to take uh, Seth Jarvis. And we have Brad for the Florida Panthers, 12th. Well, the Florida Panthers somehow unloaded Mike Matheson's contract. 
somehow, no idea why. Jim Rutherford is chaos, and I appreciate him for that. Uh, but that has left a hole on their left side. And if this happened in reality, the Florida Panthers would be cartwheeling into the Zoom call to take defenseman Jake Sanderson. Yeah. Too late, I think. But it's that just goes to show how jam-packed the top 12 of this draft are. Um, okay, Evan for Carolina by way of Toronto. Oh, boy. Um, I was... I. Th- you know what? I've liked this player the entire year, and I think they're going to take Jack Quinn. I think that's a good pick. Um, okay, and the Edmonton Oilers. This is another tough one for me. There's a lot of good players on the board. Um, I'm stuck between two centermen here, but I think they're going to go with, and I think I've mocked this guy to them before, they're going to go with uh, Dylan Holloway here. And then we have uh, Brad, 15th overall for the Toronto Maple Leafs by way of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Jim Rutherford's morning brain. Man, the Leafs, uh, if they keep this pick, are going to have one hell of a decision to make because, I mean, the Leafs really don't have a huge need for forwards, but their need for defense comes on the right side. I would think they would consider Braden Schneider here, but considering he's like 30 picks down my list right now. I'm absolutely not going to do that. So I'm just going to go best player available here. And the Toronto Maple Leafs select Rodion Amirov. Damn you, Brad. Damn you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brad, or Evan, you are selecting 16th for the Canadians. My grade 10 improv class did not prepare me for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> the five and a half years of podcasting haven't? or No. No, not at all. Oh. Because we're standing in, standing in front of my peers trying to improv is way more uh, anxiety driven than this. You, you know uh, that like we've had episodes that have had enough listens that would sell out the Kitchener Auditorium and then some, right? Yeah, that is also terrifying now that you have uh, <laughs> quantified it like that. Yeah, everyone thinks Evan doesn't talk much because he's too cool, but really he just pees his pants a lot during the show. You can't see below my neckline basically you don't know yeah. what's going on it's a That's catheter true. we all know we can hear it <laughs> oh <laughs> i didn't need that <laughs> evan please pick oh god i don't even know um, <laughs> see he just won you heard it <laughs> bergevin in his big muscles <laughs> we'll take dawson mercer okay that's good i love this uh, you guys are reaching like off my board it's making this so much more fun for me Hey, screw you, buddy. Um, I'm drafting for Chicago. Lord help me. Um, this one, what does Chicago need? Yes. Yeah, right? Like, they're essentially picking a player to trade away for a player they already have. I don't think this guy makes it this far down the board. And so that's why I, I, I'm going to take him. I don't think he's necessarily a need because of how strong they are at this position. But regardless, I think they'll take centerman Connor Zary. I think Zary making it to 17 would be kind of a surprise in my mind. I think he might slip further than that. All right. You are drafting for New Jersey by way of Arizona, Brad. 18th uh, overall. The New Jersey Devils. Uh, refresh my memory. Who did we take for them at seven? Drysdale. Drysdale. Mm-hmm. All right. So no, you got they, no. you took Perfetti. Nah, they took Perfetti. All right. So they've got their forward. So I'm going to be very uncreative and give them a defenseman. Uh, every draft has reaches that people 
based on the consensus board go, whoa, what the hell was that? And then that player turns out to be great. It happens all the time. And I think that this is the range of the draft that could happen here. And if I were the guy picking for the New Jersey Devils, I am going to take Swedish defenseman Emil Andre. All right. I thought you were going to go in a different direction there. Nope. I'm giving them their defenseman. And they have no power play quarterback. Their defensemen suck. 19th overall for the Calgary Flames, Evan. Oh, gosh. Just looking at, I'm trying to look up their roster and who they've got in the pipeline. So the last five picks have been Holloway to Edmonton, Amirov to Toronto, Mercer to the Habs, Zary to Chicago, and Emil Andre to the New Jersey Devils. So Evan is up 19th overall for the Calgary Flames. Thank you. Thank you for buying me some time. It wasn't quite enough. You should have talked a lot slower. Oh, there's actually Um, a timer now. If you don't answer soon, we're going to... Yeah, I have to stand up and show. We have 12 minutes until pie, so uh, (laughs) that's how much time I have. Hey, do Uh, we want to buy Evan some more time to uh, go with uh, some breaking news from Pierre Lebrun? Not anything dramatic happened, but relevant to Steve Eisenman's old team. So Tampa has a myriad of no-move clauses, but they need to free up cap space to sign all their RFAs. So it appears that... Tampa has approached one of their players to waive his no trade clause. Tyler I, Johnson. I was going to guess. Yeah. Tyler Johnson. So maybe Stevie's on the phone trying to get something done there. Maybe. Okay. Evan, I've bought you enough time for the love of Thank God. You. Pick. I, I've hummed and hawed a little too much, but they will take R- Lucas Reichel. Oh, you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm okay, never Luke. buying you time again. You prick. <laughs> Stick that up your draft board. Uh, New Jersey at pick 20 by way of Vancouver is going to uh, select. I mean, I'm using the cap friendly mock draft tool here. So I'm you assuming have, that's up to date. We've picked a forward and a defenseman by rules. You have to pick a goalie now. No, <laughs> no, I'm not taking Nico Dawes <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> oh, what did we pick for them? So they've taken Cole Perfetti, who could be a center. They've taken Emil Andre. Who could quarterback their power play. I, they're going to go Maverick Bork here. I think that's really good value for them at uh, 20th. Man, this is a tiny draft for them. <laughs> Who cares? You take all, all three of their picks so far add up to, I think, 15 feet. Hey, Brad, that means you have a chance. <laughs> they call it the fellowship, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 21st overall for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Brad, you're Yarmul Kekalein in here. Ooh, so this one's tricky because now I'm getting into the range of my next... I'll say eight guys I have on my board. I have so closely ranked that I could interchange them pretty comfortably. Uh, Columbus has a desperate need for forwards here. So I'd, I'd be a little remiss if I didn't pick them one here. I think they need a highly skilled play driving forward who has high end offensive ability. Size be damned. I think they're going to reach a little bit here because I think they're going with Marat Kuznadinov. God damn it. Brad. Like he uh, admittedly, he was like out of all my top players still available. He was number five on them, but just the guys I have next is don't 
fit what Columbus needs. And since they're all interchangeable to me at this point, I, I, I swing. I think Kuznodinov could turn into something special there for him. So, And if we have Will Scouch on again, I'm pretty sure he would have sprinted to the Zoom call to make damn sure I picked him. Well, that uh, takes the wind out of my sails because I was hoping he would fall to Detroit at 32. So <laughs> You're funny. All right, Evan, uh, 22nd overall for the Rangers by way of Carolina. You have a 60-second clock on this. Please. Don't worry. I'll look up I, some more breaking news if there's anything. Don't worry. I uh, was thinking about this while you guys were talking, and they are going to take – I hope this guy is a drafted already because I wasn't paying attention – Caden Gooley. Oh, no, that's go. good. Yeah, Gooley, I, I was kind of waiting for Gooley to come off the board. Okay, so uh, for the Flyers, 23rd overall. I think the Flyers go with uh, one or two guys here. Um, one of them is kind of a big injury risk in terms of Hendricks Lapierre, and the other one... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Hendricks Lapierre. I'm going to assume that he doesn't slide too far, and that's who the Flyers are going to go with to try to capitalize uh, as much as they can on their draft position. I hummed and hawed with him at Columbus, but the injuries scared Yarmo off a little too much. That's fair. Uh, you are drafting for the Washington Capitals 24th overall, Brad. Oh, to be a good team and have your pick of the litter. Um, I think Washington values everything right now and they could use a little bit of everything because their prospect pool is really thin. So I am just going with my next best prospect, German forward, JJ Paterka. Damn it, Bradley. <laughs> you got a Bradley in there. That's not good. JJ Paterka to the uh, caps. Ruined it all. Brad or not. Sorry, not Brad. Evan for Colorado 25th overall. Sorry. What, where are they? 25th. 25th oh jesus i hate brad so much i think i don't think you can draft jesus if anything he'd go in the top three i would assume um can you uh no just pick dylan holloway nope he's gone dylan holloway <laughs> what was that dylan holloway went literally 11 picks ago well, I wasn't paying attention. Was it you who picked him or was it Brad? No, I always pay attention with Brad picks because he's right before me. And <laughs> yeah. It, twice. And it was me who picked him. I apologize um, for that. What about Jacob Perot? Yeah. Perot's there. Available still? Yeah. Jacob Perot. We'll take Jacob Perot. And I think that's a, a that's probably where you can expect to see Jacob Pearl. At least that's where I think. Um, I don't know for St. Louis. I know there's a lot of talk about them wanting to replace defensemen in case Petrangelo moves, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really believe in in trying to replace one guy immediately after he leaves in a draft. You're not going to see that defenseman in the lineup in a meaningful way for some time. I'm going to take who, in my mind, is one of the next best players available on that on the board. There, I'm going to take Ridley Greg. Greg Greg. Greg? I've been going with Greg. Nobody's corrected me yet. Ridley, Greg. Uh, Brad, 27th overall for the Anaheim Ducks by way of Boston. And I gave Anaheim Marco Rossi already. So I am going to give Anaheim another forward just because I think there's too much value here. And I'm going to give them Jan Mishak. Brother of Lick Mishak. <laughs> uh evan you are drafting 28th overall for ottawa by way of the islanders 
Um, can you remind me who they drafted with three and five? They drafted uh, Tim Stutzler third, and fifth was Jamie Drysdale. Okay. So the rules are, are goalie. Going to take. They are going to take. I'm just looking at their depth chart. Da, 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 da. They have no one. Um, They're going to take Tyson Forster. Oh, okay. Tyson Forster will go. Just trying to find him on this list here. All right. The Vegas Golden Knights, 29th overall. What do they need? Do you pick for need at 29th overall? Um, yeah, you can here. It's it's scattershot here. Like that's a I actually enjoy the second half of our first round mocks more because there's no rumors about who's taking who. I just love filling needs and taking whoever the hell ever I think is the best fit there. It's theory crafting. I think they're going to take who in my mind would be the best player available on this board. This is another guy who I don't think falls as far because he has some pretty top end skill. Uh, Noel Gundler will go to Vegas 29th. Ryan Ryan Hanna. Ryan O'Hanna. I'm Irish now. Um, Brad for Dallas. You can probably guess it. The prospect I was looking at when I added that. Brad for the stars. Brad, don't do it. Oh, man. <laughs> don't do it, Brad. <laughs> From Can the Sault Ste. Marie. He's going to love that Brad's drafting for the stars. It's going to fill the memes nicely. Um, Evan, you got lucky here because I'm, I'm pretty dead set on taking a forward for the stars here. I'm torn between two. I think... <sighs> Yeah, Dallas just truly lacks skill here and, and just full transparency. I, I'm i tempted to take Jake Neighbors for them here, but I think they need a higher skill player, even if the risk is a little greater. So I think at this pick, the Dallas Stars are going to select from the USNTDP, Thomas Bordalo. Okay. And 31st overall for the San Jose Sharks by way of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Evan. I'm not even really convinced that I like this pick for them, but I had this player way higher up um, in where I think they'll go. Um, and I think they're going to take uh, Braden Schneider. Or at least that's who I had way higher on my board. So, Oh, he's yeah. not. like This is our mock draft. Braden Schneider is long gone by this pick in yeah. the actual NHL. Yeah. Long gone. He was... I had him much higher than that so i figured you know for my in my pers- opinion he should be taken now i had him at 43 now what we're going to do is talk about pick 32 which obviously is the first pick in the second round and belongs to the detroit red wings much like the year where they drafted zadina and then valeno this is one of the most exciting picks in the draft for detroit because it's essentially still a first round pick um we're going to each again name our preferred picks at this point just like we did for fourth overall and this will expand into a much larger discussion about uh, potential opportunities or potential targets for the red wings to draft in the second round they have three picks in the second round 32nd 45th which is from edmonton thank you athena see you in holland and 55th from uh washington and that was part of the um remind me of the defenseman's name it's escaping me right now that we traded to them Thanks, guys. No, to Washington. Oh, to Washington. Jensen. Jensen, yeah. I wasn't listening for most of your thing there. I was looking at my list. 
Thank you. Uh, that was the second round pick that that came from, right? I believe so. The late, the third of our seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for pick 32, we're going to work with what's on our current mock draft board. And then the reason we're going to talk about second and third round picks as a whole is because our board won't match what actually happens on draft day. If it does, we're going to all go out and buy lottery tickets. I don't think Brendan Brisson is there at 32, but if he is, I'm pretty excited for Detroit because that is a, I would say, mid first round talent that they're getting half a round later than they should have. It's not really a guy that I would project for, but that's who I would select for Detroit. Um, so that would be Brendan Brisson out of Chicago in the USH, USHL. Sorry, is that based on your list? So what was the... That was based on what's available from our mock. Okay. Yeah. In terms of who I would actually target there, I mean, <laughs> like guys who I'm looking for, I'm looking for like a Marat Kuznetinov, I'm looking for a Paterka, I'm looking for a Reichel in case any one of those three fall. Um, I would love a Yan Meshach as well. Roni Hervonen would still be available there according to our board, and I would be happy with Roni Hervonen. Um Ryan O'Rourke even like you talk about the Red Wings needing some uh, a left D Ryan O'Rourke would be a good guy to slot in there there's a ton of opportunity at pick 32 there is so much here so if I'm just going on my list based on who is the best player still available again I already kind of mentioned him with um, Dallas's pick and Jake neighbors uh, if you wanted that big skilled forward if you want to go small skilled forward here um, there's Zion Nybeck Ozzy Weisblatt um, hell, Jeremy Poirier is still here. If you want to take a swing, Lucas Cormier, Helga Granz, if you wanted the defenseman. I mean, I think someone we obviously, obviously someone we picked in the first round is going to be available at 32 here. So that's who our pick would be, but there is a lot there. So, I mean, who's your preferred? Was, yeah. If out of everything we've picked so far, my preferred here would be Jake neighbors. Yeah, it was for me the only person we still had my next highest person we had available in my list for this draft was Helga Granz, but I'm not sure I like that making that the 32nd pick cuz he's right-handed, correct? He shoots yeah, right. Yeah, he's a righty, I believe. So, that's when I went to Ryan O'Rourke as well and I I like that pick. Um if they want a defenseman, I still think there's some really good forwards available at 32 and i think there definitely will be on the real draft day um so a guy i've always liked but i'm not sure if i really like the pick at there this guy at 32 is jean-luc foodie it's a little high for me but uh, i've always liked his game and anytime i've seen him play live i've i've really liked what he what he brings so that's out of the only guys i've actually seen play at that rank um i'd be okay with that pick i guess Okay, so that is our mock draft. Um, we went from picks 1 through 32 in order. I won't read out the teams. Uh, Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Raymond to the Red Wings, Drysdale, Rossi, Perfetti, Holtz, Askarov, Lundell, Jarvis, Sanderson, Quinn, Holloway, Amirov, Mercer, Zeri, Andre, Reichel, Bork, Kuznetdinov, Guli, Lapierre, Paterka, Perot, Greg, Meshack, Forster, Gunler, Bordalo, Schneider, and then to the Red Wings at pick 32. Um, it was either Brendan Brisson, Brendan Brisson, um, who did you guys? It was Jake Brendan Brisson, Jake Neighbors, and then Evan went with O'Rourke. Was your first one? 
Yeah, we'll call yep. it O'Rourke for Evan. Yep. Okay, now let's we, we touched on this, Brad. You you touched on it, so I'll throw it over to you. But essentially, you brought up the first notion of um, who does who do we want Detroit to pick at thirty two, which is whoever falls from the first round that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So if I had to like cherry pick guys that we took in the first round that I'm almost certain or at least would be willing to bet will not be picked in the first round and we just did it because we like them um my top two and i'm going to say realistic because i don't think it's realistic that reichel or paterko or ridley greg are going to fall out of the first round i'll even throw meshack into there even though i think that's slightly possible but i wouldn't put it there the two names that i've got pretty high on my list for i think are going to be there at 32 and i would want them to take at 32 um, is Emil Andre and Murat Kuznadinov. I, I, I'm big, big fans of both of them, despite their small stature. Um, I mean, Emil Andre is undersized, but he hits like a Mack truck. Imagine Joe Hicketts with a lot more offense. That's what I see with Emil Andre right now, and obviously with a lot more room to grow, because Hicketts was a late, late bloomer. He'll be um, a big hit in uh, Grand Rapids. Yeah, and hopefully Detroit and he's a left shot defenseman fills a direct need it's it's great Kuznetinov again a small four just with tons of energy ultra competitive and the thing I like about these two guys is they meet Eisenman's requirements they are both hyper competitive Emil Andre is a captain and like numerous um international stops where he's played with team sweden Kuznetinov is a leader on I think he's been a captain for the Russian junior teams just He's small, but he gets to the dirty areas. He's skilled. He just, he wills his team to win. He's got that mentality. So as much as like I could say, I would love a Jacob Pro or a Noel Gundler or a Hendricks Lapierre because of their skill. I don't think it's realistic because they don't, they're not Steve Eisenman's type at all. Um, so I look at, I look at those two as like big targets for me at 32. Obviously if a Greg or a Meshack falls there or a Forster, I would be thrilled, but those are my two so and we will be talking about the second round expanded like the detroit has two more picks in there so we'll be mentioning that in a second but just a very quick dip into those waters um i predict that there is going to be opportunities for detroit to pick hashtag our guys like our first round guys not only at pick 32 but also at pick 55 which is detroit's next pick in the second round um I think there's just once you get into that point of the draft, it, everything goes way out of whack. And that's like we laugh. Everyone says, oh, second round picks. How valuable are they really? You have an opportunity here to get two huge, huge wins outside of the first round. A lot of this will be what Brad mentioned, but guys who I'd be thrilled with, like Murat Kuznadinov, in my mind, is one that's pretty realistic who I would be absolutely thrilled with. I think this is a guy who's over in Russia in the MHL, which is the league are, under the... Are you talking pick 32 or 45 now? I'm talking about pick 32. Okay. Also, I lied. I said 55 is Detroit's next pick. It's 45. I misspoke. Um, pick 32, Murat Kuznodinov would be a big, big win for me. Um, again, cherry picking like Brad did, Paterka and Reichel. I don't think those guys fall, but I'd be pretty happy with them. Um Ryan O'Rourke for me is is there, and I think he's probably going to be available in that range. He might be a, a candidate for a guy who goes like in the late teens because he's been a little bit of a late riser. But this is a guy who's got who plays on the left side, who's got really good hockey IQ. Um, 
and he's been described as a workhorse and that's you know prototypical what Eisenman's looking for um those are the guys for me where if we get them I'm just as excited as when we got almost as excited as when we got like Valeno or Bergren who right now has is having a phenomenal start to his season in the SHL but that's not even it, right? Like anyone that we list in the first round, I'm happy. Um, other guys who could possibly be there, like Jake Neighbors, like you mentioned, Noel Gundler, um, Helga Granz, Yan Mishak, those are all guys at pick 32 I'd be perfectly thrilled with. And the reality is, like I mentioned, another one of them is going to be available at 45. Like we are looking at a reality where, you know, Detroit takes Kuznadinov but has to leave, uh, let's say, uh, O'Rourke on there. Detroit could get O'Rourke at 45. Like, this is huge. Detroit could get two first-round talents with picks 32 and 45 and with pick 55 take Nico Dawes, and then what an incredible, exciting first two rounds of the draft. Yeah, there'll uh, be some incredible value at that second pick. Who's your? Who are some of your, like, I really, really would love for this guy to fall, or I would really love for Detroit to just reach and snag this guy at the top of the second-round picks, Evan? Top of the second round, I mean, you've already named 90% of them. Classic Ryan. I think there's going to be a ton of guys in that like 25 down range that I will be very, very happy with because it seems to kind of, even with us, it was kind of a blender at that point. Um, I really like Tyson Forster, uh, and I, he's a centerman, so um, he could be, be a uh, fill a need. Um, and I think it also is going to depend on who we draft at four. Uh, if we, t- if we end up going Sanderson or Drysdale, I would much prefer us taking a forward with that second pick. I'd be a little bit more comfortable with taking defenseman at 32 if, when we take a forward at four. Um, so yeah, Ryan O'Rourke jumped out Im- immediately to me. Um, but it's hard to, you know, it's, I find it hard to really hammer down who they should pick because I think there'll be a lot of guys available at that next pick as well. Um, obviously, anybody like uh, JJ Paterka, Lucas Reichel, who I don't see falling into that range, uh, they would be great. Um, I think Yan Mysak might be available at that at that pick, so he'd be another guy I'd really like at that spot. So I'm going to I'm going to throw in another name here that I almost mentioned uh in my list and I'm going to throw him in here just because I discovered something unbelievable while I was elite prospects surfing while we we're here. So another guy that I would really really like um if we did take him at 32 would be Ozzy Wiseblad of the Prince Albert Raiders. But the reason I'm mentioning him and going out of it is uh you know how on elite prospects they name like any family members that also have an elite prospects page? Ozzy Weisblatt has three brothers listed here. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Ocean Weisblatt. <laughs> Orca Weisblatt. That's incredible. Oasis Weisblatt with a Z. Where? Where is, yeah, where's the Z? <laughs> O-A-S-I-Z Weisblatt. How is Ozzy the most normal name in that family? <laughs> I guarantee you their parents' names are Peter and Karen. <laughs> this is amazing. That's hysterical. Um, okay, so uh, broader picks here. I think a guy, and let's first cover Nico Dawes. Um, this might satisfy people who are clamoring to fill Detroit's uh, needs in net. 
If they don't do Askarov, which I think, you know, it's a possibility, but not exactly likely, Nico Dawson in the second round is still a high, high amount of draft capital to spend, and he would immediately become Detroit's foremost candidate for their future in net. I don't know yeah. how you guys feel about the way this draft is shaking out. So as much as I like Nico Dawes, he is a double overager. So you do have to factor that in. Um, there's a lot of goalies in the top 100 on a lot of rankings, like a lot. So I think you could get value if you don't take a goalie until the fourth or fifth round. So I've kind of come off the idea, the more I've dove into this of taking a goalie. Uh, in that range, even though I do have Dawes rated somewhere around 60 in my rankings, um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like they should wait. Um, there's so many high ceiling forwards in the second round. I'd be perfectly comfortable, uh, almost damn near prefer um, the Red Wings take four forwards with their first four picks the way this draft is likely going to shake out. But yeah, I'm I'm on the board of taking a goalie. I just think that they can wait and get get a good one. Uh, Theodore Niederbach is another guy who I think um, is a strong candidate to potentially be taken in the second round. Um, I know he's been mocked a little bit lower by some people. He's not exactly been a high pick, and I've also seen him as high as the late first round. Um, if Detroit did grab him at any point, um, plays out of Sweden. Um, I, I think that's a guy who is a little bit of a risk, but if you're not spending like the 32nd overall pick on him, that's a guy who who I, I look to to potentially take in the late second or, or later rounds. You ever get like a gut feeling on a player? Just there's literally no reason behind it other than you look at a guy and go, you know what? I think this, this is a guy our yeah. team would like. Yeah. And I, I got a feeling he, I've got him ranked in a mid, mid second round for me, but I can't shake the feeling Steve Eisenman's going to look at Luke Evangelista and go, yes. Really? Yeah. I, I don't, it's just a gut feeling, but I mean, he, he skyrocketed uh, his play in terms of quality of play over the season. Like he, he's been a steady progression of improvement in, just about every aspect of his game. Uh, he plays on a very deep team. So his offensive numbers might not be as big as they otherwise would be because he's not always getting the premium minutes, but he still finished with 61 points and 62 games in the OHL this year, 23 goals. And I mean, he's a Jack of all trades and this is in his rookie season in the OHL. He put up two assists in 27 games. Like this guy's the definition of a late bloomer and, Man, after the season he had, I think Detroit takes a long, long look at him and and he shoots right. Could potentially be third round pick there, late second if they want to reach on him. Uh, William Wallander, I've mocked him to Detroit before. I think that's another potential second round pick. Here's one that maybe is a little bit divided. Shakir Mukhamadoulin. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not a huge, huge Shakir fan. I don't think I'd riot if we took him with our third second round pick, but the dude has had a terrific start in the KHL this season. So if there's any recency bias playing in a second round pick's favor right now, it might be him. He's not a sexy pick. He's not. And no. I don't, I do not love him, but pr- production speaks, especially in the KHL as an 18, 19 year old defenseman. Pretty much the way I see him is like a very poor man's 
what Jacob Sanderson is touted to be in my mind. Maybe not with the skating, maybe not with the skating, but you know, you're looking at a reliable two way guy. Um, it's tough because you haven't had a really good look at him. The MHL and the KHL is a really, really tough transition for players. And they often just like the SHL, they get buried depending on the quality of their team. So, um, but if you're looking at a smart defenseman, that might be a guy where, um, if for none, no reason other than it'd be hard for, or for, um, Mickey Redmond to pronounce his name, that might be someone who you hear, uh, Steve Eisenman call on. Okay, so like Evan mentioned, we have a tendency to kind of name everyone and their mother for the second round. So the overall philosophy for second round, I think if you want a goalie, I'm kind of on that train, but I'm not really trying to do that until the late second. But in all essence, what you're trying to do is grab the first round talents who fell. And because Detroit has three swings at the bat there, two of them pretty high up in the second, one of them being the first pick in the second. Um, Detroit has an opportunity here to make out better in this draft than they did in the Zadina Valeno Bergen draft, which is looking fantastic so far. Overall, let's just get this out of the way. There's going to be questions of who's the next Braden point. Look, if we knew, we would have mocked him in the first round. That's just the reality of it. If you're looking at guys who are ranked really late who could, you know, by some miracle project extra end up like as one of the top players in the draft. I don't know if any of those guys jump out at you, Brad. Like, well, okay. So I'm going to kind of modify the question to give an answer. I'll, I'll just pick a guy I've got ranked in my second round that I don't think I've seen him ranked in any other second round. So I'm, I'm much higher than most. Um, and then I think it pop off. So there's this thing when, when a player who, who's a late riser, who's had underwhelming production for most of their career gets paired up with a great player. It, it's immediately, ah, oh, he, he's not good. It's just because of that guy. Well, one of Shane Wright's line mates, well, both of Shane Wright's line mates popped off this year, but I don't think it's necessarily because of Shane Wright. If you're looking for compete, a good skill set, a willingness to go to all the dirty areas, like a Steve Eisenman type guy, and with more skill than I think he gets credit for, I'm a big fan of Zade Wisdom. I really think that he's got the chance to be uh, a Tyler Bertuzzi type. I I really, really do see him in that role in the NHL one day. And I mean, I have him ranked late second round, so it's not like I'm shooting this guy up to pick 32, but... I'm a big fan of the guy, um, and again, all the character you would ever want on top of a good, good skill set. So, if I'm if I'm reaching for anybody, that that'd be my guy. Tyler Tulio is a guy for me who I think doesn't necessarily answer the question that I put forward, but he's someone who's not like I I'm I'm looking at some rankings that I've compiled and aggregate like he's going in the third or fourth round um, out of Oshawa. And I think here's a guy who could be greater than his perceived sum of parts right now. Another one is the uh, goaltender um, out of Liga, which is Joel Blumquist. Um, I think he's someone who you might look at. I know Nico Dawes gets a lot of attention, but like you said, Brad, there are more than one goaltender. There is more than one goaltender in that range, and, and Blumquist might be the one uh, to get some attention. So I don't know if, if I want to do this to you, but uh, you you reached, and I'm going to throw in air quotations there, reached for my 61st ranked prospect. <laughs> Which was Tulio. Tulio? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I didn't even answer my own question very well. But hey, that's some affirmation. Um, the more the more you talk it out, the more you're like, you take all three of these second round swings on on players and you work on the goalie later. But again, the goalie situation does have to be answered at some point. Yes. I don't know. Evan, do you have any diamonds in the rough that you're looking for? <clears throat> yeah. The one I've said before is still Brandon Coe. <clears throat> he plays on North Bay. Believe it or not, they're terrible. Um, and he was almost a point-per-game player this year um, on that terrible team. I think with any sort of – if he was traded to an Ottawa, we might be talking about this guy in the early second. The only downside to his game that I don't like is he looks really lazy. But we've heard that about Anthony Mantha, and I don't think that's true at all. So um, he could be a diamond in the rough. The other one I just sort of looked up today while I was kind of looking at – some sleepers but i think he would be could be available way later in the draft brad do you know who this is it's vt mightinen vt mietinen yep i have him ranked 46 right now and i'm looking at like uh the ranking boards the consolidated ranking boards of all the other big guys and they have him like 63rd 69 95 and he's got some really good numbers in the i think it's the junior finish league um and the, the things they're writing about him is he takes a lot of shots, which sometimes isn't great, but he's got great speed, great skating. Um, and, you know, with a good coach who could, t- you know, change things to a higher percentage shooting, uh, he could be a good pick as well. Okay. I have two more topics here before we jump into overtime. First is going to be an important one. Um, we talked about the different players who might be selected fourth overall. Let's talk about the opportunity of trading fourth overall. No. It's, as Brad alluded to, not terribly likely because trading near the top is pretty sticky. Trading up, I think, is extremely unlikely. So I don't know if we'll even spend too much time speculating on that. But there has been conversation about what if Detroit trades back? What if New Jersey with picks uh, 7, 18, and 20, they want to move up? Is there a world where you trade back if you're the Red Wings? And what would it take? Yeah, and it would have to almost certainly be New Jersey and only New Jersey because I am not entertaining this without another first-round pick coming back. So if New Jersey wants to... I think Max actually put in his article. It was something like 4 and 45 for 7 and 20. Yeah, I would entertain that. I, I don't know if I'd love that. I would have to... Be pretty damn confident that one of my guys was going to fall to seven because if we end up trading back to seven and then picks four, five, and six are Raymond, Rossi, Perfetti, I'm pissed. Like, uh, But if you can trade back to seven and get one of them, basically all you have to be is confident that one of Drysdale, Askarov, or uh, Sanderson goes there, which I think is a pretty strong likelihood. That would be a a very worthy trade back. And I would do that in a heartbeat if I were the Red Wings. Cause then you got to think you're essentially swapping pick 45 for 20. And you know, you're turning at that point, uh, hypothetically Luke Evangelista into, uh, maybe a Rodion Amirov, a Lucas Reichel, a Maverick Bork, a Dylan Holloway, Caden Gooley. Like that, that's a pretty big upgrade, even though it's a very deep draft. What about, Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to grab pie. (laughs) (laughs) You may now continue. What about pick six and 27 from the Anaheim Ducks 
in exchange for pick four and 45. No, I 27 and 45 are, are damn near too interchangeable for me, even to go back two spots, just because that level of control you get at four, right? So I don't think it's unreasonable from a value standpoint, but again, at the same time, I I think that your 27 to 45 is not a big gap uh, to on my rankings, pick four to six is a bigger gap than 27 to 45, but it is what it is. And, and not that there's necessarily a huge gap between let's say Raymond and Rossi, but the minimal gap in high end players is a lot bigger than a decent gap in middling players. If that makes sense. What if we switch 45 with 55 here? I'd, I would probably entertain that again. Still don't love it, but I think I would do that. And uh, just to recap here, the Red Wings have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 picks in this draft. They have picks four in the first round, picks 32, 45, and 55 in the second round. And then beyond that, in the third, they have uh, 63, 65, and then they have picks 107, 125, and then 156, and 187. So, so I got to I gotta pick up my lunch on Wednesday between pick 65 and 107. Essentially, yeah. That's what you just have to get Uber Eats, man. You think I'm paying for that delivery? Oh, they must charge an arm and a leg to get out to where you are, eh? Oh, yeah. Like, if I order, like, what would I pay for a meal for myself? 10, 15 bucks, and I'm charging like a five to seven dollar delivery on that? Kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I thought it was gonna be more than that. Anyways, um, okay, so over. So you're telling me you're comfortable paying $22 for a meal just for your goddamn self while you're sitting at home on your couch in your boxers? No, not, I, I rarely do it. I usually, especially now because the world's shut down, and I don't go to work. I usually go pay, I, do takeout and i go pick it up but yeah like a normal goddamn person um okay beyond that the rest of the draft i think what you can look for here is to see a little bit of like positional filling later on so eisenman for the first couple rounds maybe even first three rounds i think what you're going to see is him taking the best players available and then he mentioned this a little bit in his press availability if the Red Wings really need something at left D and they do not have uh, anything from this draft class, he'll probably start taking some swings for that position or goaltending or that kind of thing. I can almost guarantee that they'll take a goaltender of some sort, right? I'd be shocked if they didn't with how uncertain their goaltending pipeline is and how, I don't want to say strong, but just the sheer volume of decent goaltenders available in this draft. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to. I don't think there's any broad strokes to be painted here uh, for the Red Wings overall draft. I think what the pretty much the story of the day is going to be maximize, uh, maximize talent, maximize skill and value for the first four to six picks. And then beyond that is when you can start thinking about, OK, we, well, the pipeline's lacking in this area. Another prediction, I think, is that they make at least one trade. Whether it involves players or only picks, I think they're going to make at least one trade on draft day. Um, it might be Eisman moving up and leveraging his later picks to do so, but that's something that I kind of have a gut feeling on. I Stevie saying he wants more picks. I think if he trades picks, it's going to be a trade back, whether that's 
in the first round, second round, third round, I, I think that's going to be the ultimate play here. He's going to trade back at pick 65 and absolutely ruin my lunch. That's my prediction. <laughs> I'll have to message you. you. Just get on a call with me while you're while you're running out to get your lunch. <laughs> okay. No, then I'm going to have to pay 22 goddamn dollars for a shitty burger. That's what's going to happen. Well, don't order a shitty burger, man. Maybe maybe let's just make Evan drop us off food because, you know, oh, well, is he going to be at work? Anyways. Um, okay. Never. Any other s- storylines for the NHL draft before we jump into overtime here? Uh, I, I think I'll, like we've been pretty set on our rankings and how we think things are going to go for a while because of everything we've heard. I think it's going to get turned on its ass. I don't think it's going to go anywhere near the way we think it's going to go because of just how volatile scouting has been with the shutdown tournaments getting canceled over scouting due to how friggin' long it's been teams getting skittish on players. They didn't get a chance to have a proper interview with. I, we have a pretty good feel for how to rank the top 30. I don't think the draft's going to follow that all that close. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, Oh my God, this guy I never heard of just went 21st overall. But like a lot of the guys we have ranked 30 to 50 are probably going to go like 15 to 30. Um, I think the top 10 is probably going to be reasonably safe, but I think once we get beyond that, it's going to be wide open. Okay. So that was our, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you guys have to watch YouTube just for Evan (laughs) dancing into the room at this point. (laughs) I want someone to love me like Evan loves that pumpkin pie. This is my second piece. (laughs) Did you get the first one standing up? Yeah. If you do take your mic off mute in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to drive over to your house after this podcast to steal the rest of your pie. I have two pies. Well, one and a half now. So I'm coming over and stealing one and a half pies if I hear you take one goddamn bite of that thing. Okay, so that was our 2020. Evan, for the love of God, man, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I know, and I love that. <laughs> that was our 2020 NHL draft preview. Um, just as a oh. reminder, guys, what we are going to be doing is live streaming for the first round of the draft that is going to start on Tuesday night. Our coverage will start 6 p.m. Eastern. The draft will start around 7 Eastern. Um, you know there's going to be a lot of fanfare and stuff uh, included. Uh, we are going to be doing day two coverage as well. Stay tuned for that. There will likely be a Patreon exclusive Um component to that uh, in addition to all of this what we're going to be doing is releasing a rankings patreon exclusive episode right or before the draft not too far away from this episode dropping so that's a little thank you to our patrons for staying uh supportive uh through all of this everything that's happened and then of course on wednesday night will come our big bang nhl draft recap episode so that is what we have to look forward to it's going to be Probably the most exciting three, the next three days are going to be the most exciting three days for the Red Wings in a long, long time. And for us. So that's what we have. Um, We appreciate you guys uh, sticking in. That's our official draft preview. And without further ado, let's get into overtime. And we are going to start with our favorite people in the world, our Patreon supporters. Guys, thank you so much for everything you've done uh, and continue to do for us. Our expanded draft coverage this year is only possible because of you. So uh, genuinely means so much, all of your support. And um, for all of you new patrons who've joined recently, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
We're going to start with uh, Eric O, who says, hey, guys, it'd be cool if you each came up with your answer for this one. What would be a trade that Stevie could theoretically make, whether for roster players, picks, or prospects, that an unbiased NHL stats nerd with no favorite team would think is a completely fair trade, but would make you personally die inside as a lifelong Red Wings fan? Whether that be because you hate to see one or more of our guys in the jersey of a rival team, or you'd you'd hate to see a player... Uh, you have to see a player you hate in the winged wheel sweater. So a trade that I would hate because of where the player would be going would be Anthony Mantha to the Habs. And I'm Don't thinking about feed into it. Don't. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking Mantha to the Habs for what would be a fair trade Suzuki and a second. Would you do that if you're the Red Wings? I think Montreal fans would say out and out no to Mantha for Suzuki because they are so high on Suzuki. Really? Yeah. I think so. I, I, I think they legitimately would. I mean, I think they'd be crazy at this point, but it's not unrealistic. I think you'd be better off or you'd have more success saying Mantha for Max Romanov and... Uh, a second or a player like I don't see a realistic trade with Montreal for Mantha just because I don't like the assets they have to offer us but yeah that would kill me to see him in Montreal do you have any Brad yeah it's not necessarily because I hate the team it's just because the team's generally so irrelevant that we'd actually forget he'd exist and that would make me sad but it's a Filling two positions of need for both teams, uh, at least in the short term, and they're around the same age, and because Mantha's an RFA, we have to assume they're both cost-controlled for a while, is sending Anthony Mantha to the Minnesota Wild for Matt Dumba. And I really don't want to trade Mantha. He's like my favorite, one of my favorite, if not my favorite player on the Red Wings right now, so I'd be crushed, but I mean, from a hockey standpoint, it makes sense. I don't know, Ivan, if you have any floating around in your head or if it's just pumpkin pie up there right now. Well, the pumpkin pie is now in my stomach. Okay. Maybe a patron exclusive, it'll be in my head. <laughs> um, I can't think of like a, a viable trade, but I was just thinking of players that I would hate to see on other teams, and it's Mantha and Larkin. So any Larkin trade for anything would pretty much suck, but yeah, anybody can be traded. Uh, Zen Eisman says, I know we aren't really in the business uh, for trading for a line A, even though he's 22 because of a lack of a farm system. However, I can't help but come try to come up with trade scenarios for him. The best I would, could come up with is Valeno, DeKaiser, and next year's second. And while that's still better than what some people are throwing out there on Twitter, I don't think the Jets would even take it. What's a realistic trade that you'd feel comfortable with uh, trading for line A? So that wouldn't even come close to getting it done. Um so uh, Winnipeg's need for a center, I think, means Valeno almost has to be included. Uh, but he's nowhere near enough to get it done. So we're probably looking at... Uh, man, I don't even know. It would have to be a pretty damn big offer. Uh, McIsaac probably would want to be in there. Nah, that's not. I don't even think that's enough. I'm, I'm not even sure Winnipeg would say yes to Valeno Insider. I'm honestly oh, they'd not. Be, they'd be nuts to not do that. I, I would agree. Uh, sorry, I take that back. A, poten- a literal potential 50-goal score is what they're giving up. Even though he's a winger and he has his deficiencies in his game, there are a lot of goals that are being given up there. So, I mean, I think that would probably be 
roughly the framework of the trade. I don't know if I love that from either team's perspective, but there's your hypothetical. I think they'd be looking for either Cider or Valeno plus the fourth overall pick. Oh, and the fourth overall pick I don't put in play for Line A in my mind. No, no me neither, but I think that's where they would probably start would be yeah. Cider in the fourth, Valeno in the fourth would be the two options of where they start. Jeff Lehman says something that's been bothering me. If our window won't even start for four to five years, what incentive does Lan- uh, Larkin and Mantha have to stay here? For that matter, what incentive do we have to keep them? I want them to do well in their career, and it just seems hard to imagine Mantha, especially, will give up his most productive years to stay with the Wings while we rebuild, just to be carried to a cup in his dwindling years. Yeah, you bring a good point with Mantha, and I think that's why there's a real possibility he's not a wing in four or five years. So to look at the positive side. Eh- I'm going to assume Mantha signs for at least a three-year contract here, but hopefully it'll be longer. Larkin's still got three years left. No team will win a Stanley Cup if your entire roster is under 30 years old. As much as we would love to live in that dream world where it's constantly getting younger all the time, it's never going to go to that extreme. In three years, I'm hoping that the Red Wings are not necessarily a contender at that point, but you can very much see them on the upswing. Like, you know, whoever we pick fourth overall this year is trending. Like, he's on the roster and he's doing great. Zadina, Valeno, Sider are all regulars and contributing well. We only need a handful of our second-round picks, maybe one guy from this year, Master Simone, Berggren, and, I don't know, Johansson are contributing. Even if everybody else flamed out, now you're looking at a really, really good young core. So if Lanth and Larkin are looking at this going, man, if we stick around like for four or five more years, we we might actually get a cup out of this, right? And even though they, they'll be on the declining part of their career at that point, they'll still be really, really good players. It would just be up to Eisenman then to not negotiate contracts with them that are absolutely crippling, but... I think they'll have plenty of reason to stick around if we're talking three to five years from now. If and everything goes right in the Red Wings draft, at least half decent. And they're not blind to the, the players that get picked or drafted by Detroit. Like They'll see these kids at, at training camps and see how incredible they're going to be. And that gets players excited and they can say, okay, in like three years, these guys are going to be unreal and we're going to have an unreal team. So if they like the situation enough and... The Red Wings draft well. That could help them stick around. Uh, C-Nods says, Hey guys, it's your friend, the Alaska Bear Country GM in NHL 20. Just came off the expansion draft, struggling a bit, but the second draft ended up with the top two picks. Which draft would you want the top two picks in? It can't be this year. Uh, Shane Wright's draft, because yes. that could be Shane Wright and uh, Matthew Savoy. Um, or um what's that uh matvey mitchkov no he's the year after that that 15 year old who's tearing up the mhl but still yeah i'd go this shane wright draft for now uh how do you guys feel about trading with a cash strapped arizona for henestroza he's an rfa and arizona really don't have a ton of money to qualify him he could help the middle six and they need cheap player players and our rfas are cheaper apart from burton mantha i'd give up a fourth rounder later for him but i wouldn't go beyond that he's 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 fine he's not anything special players like him are a dime a dozen and no no offense to the guy he's still a decent nhl player but not a hard type of nhl player to acquire dylan krill who's the winner of our zadina rookie card says which of the following scenarios would you rather have first scenario perfetti fourth kuznet dinoff 32nd andre 45th 
Second scenario, Raymond fourth, Grons 32nd, Torgerson 45th, and third scenario, Askarov fourth, Clevin 32nd, Mukhamadoulin 45th. Good God, no to that one. First scenario with Perfetti, Kuznetinov, and Andre. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going with that one. Yeah. Uh, Chris B says, thanks for all the hard work leading up to the draft, guys. We all really appreciate the constant content. Much appreciated, Chris. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, who is this draft's Pasternak slash Barzell, a mid to late first round guy who has a real chance to become a star in the league? Um, Hendricks Lapierre could be a guy whose injuries pushed him way further down. And if he persists without any major injuries beyond that, could be a guy whose draft stock should have been way higher. I get Tarasenko vibes from Amirov, and that's mid-first round if you want to go a little ballsier. I, I could see if a couple things improve in their game, I could see like rocket improvement from a Maverick Bork or a Jan Meshach. Um, Cody Stark says, hey, fellas, new patron, I believe. Cody, a new name level sponsor. Cody, thank you so much. Welcome to the Dub Dub family, and we really, really appreciate your support, man. It says, hey, fellas, new patron. I said I'd give the podcast six months before I decided to become a patron or not. I must like your show. I'm North Dakota's biggest Wings fan and attend most North Dakota hockey games. I'll be your inside source for Cooper Moore and, hey, maybe even Jake Sanderson. Love the show, and I look forward to spending my beer money on your episodes. Uh, since I'm a goalie and a goalie coach, my first question is, does whomever draft Askarov have him play up right away, kind of like a Carter Hart deal? Depends on the team. I know, but man, he is so good. I don't think that's the NHL's MO really, but I think he's up next, like the season after. That's kind of what I have in my head. I don't think they tried to let him uh, roost for too long. I mean, he's already playing in the KHL, right? So I I would say two more years in the KHL, one year in the AHL, and then he's in the NHL. Uh, La Plata Peak says Jeff Lehman makes a good point regarding Mantha's career timeline. Sure, he could be there for some success by the time he's in his thir- early 30s, but it would come at a lot of losing and possible other monetary losses. Come Wednesday, it won't surprise me if he's negotiating his RFA status with Montreal and Max Domi is a head case Detroit will be tasked with figuring out as well as the no, bridge deal that goes with it. God, no, please, God, no. If, if the he wings- gets traded, I'll be upset, but if he gets traded for Max Domi, I'll be damn near inconsolable. If the Wings also get pick 16 in such a deal, I could probably stomach it. But knowing, one, Mantha's injury prone. Two, I'd l- I would love to have him have success. Even with a ha- hated original sixth rival, it might be a trade that makes sense for all involved. Okay, I mean, uh, even though we're going through a rebuild, I think one thing people are forgetting, we still need good NHL caliber players. We can't just get rid of everybody who's half decent and expect the entire farm system to come up next year. We have to field an NHL team that... Could you imagine last year's team minus Mantha? Do they even win 10 games? Like, like you can't, you can't do that. You have to keep your good players. Jake Nagy says, gentlemen, the draft is almost here. Please tell us what your reaction would be uh, for each of the following picks. Uh, number four, by using scenes from Brooklyn nine, nine. Oh, my recall is going to suck here. Lucas Raymond. I will go with. Charles Boyle, when he walked into the safe and found out that Jake and Amy had just got engaged. I'm going to go with uh, the captain when he guessed that Amy is late from the bank. He goes, hot damn. I've never watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I was going to say. Fix yourself. 
Uh, Askarov, I'll be Jake playing the guitar for the uh, uh, guy who he's trying to interrogate, where it's just he, the da na 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 I'll just be any scene where Santiago has to interact with Hitchcock and Scully. Perfetti. Um, mm, that one's tough. Perfetti would be Rosa with the puppy saying, I've known Cole Perfetti for five minutes and I would take a bullet. If anything ever happened to him, I'd kill all of you and myself. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I will. Hmm. When Captain Holt uh realizes on the halloween episode where cheddar walks back in and he realizes it's actually cheddar and he yells that's my doggy <laughs> uh sanderson would just be cool 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 yeah i don't think there's another answer for that that's the right one uh drysdale uh standard raymond holt face and quinn or some other big reach uh Oh, um, when uh, Jake goes, um, be right back. Going to go cry in the bathroom now. Yeah. Okay. TJ Nasty says, good day, dud duds. With some bigger names coming up on RFA, do you think we take a swing at one? Sergachev comes to mind. We could offer five to six mil and only cough up a first and a third. I'd rather take a Raymond or Rossi this year than throw the offer sheet at Tampa Bay before free agency. They have a few players that they probably want to keep. Hedman is their number one for the next six, at least. And McDonough is a spoil on a second pairing. The let me get this out of the way now because I know a lot of these questions are going to come over the next week. The Detroit Red Wings should offer sheet exactly nobody if it includes a first round pick because that damn well that there's a very reasonable chance that could be first overall. They are one player does not improve this team out of a lottery pick next year, no matter who that player is. It could be Connor McDavid. There's still a lottery team next year. Evan is looking at WAP while recording a podcast, says, so did Stamkos officially get his name on the cup? Yeah, he'll definitely get his name on the cup. He played in the finals finals game, and he scored a goal. So. I think he played enough regular. I think he played 41 regular season games, too, so I th- yeah. think he should be good. But like and teams can also make, yeah, teams can also make the case as well. The NHL, I don't think it would turn down that case, even if he didn't qualify. Uh, rumor has it that Detroit is interested in Andy Green. He'd be okay, I guess. And no Jacob Markstrom, so that that's good. If you could have a former player who's never played goalie be your goaltender for a season, who would you choose? Erickson for his bigness, Bob Probert for the chaos, or someone else? Bob Probert. There'd never be a rebound goal. <laughs> um, Dustin Bufflin. He's huge. Evan just turned around like Bufflin was behind him. I know. It was like, <laughs> There's a ghost in my house. The doorknob just moved. It's especially eerie because Evan's face is freezing a lot on our screen. So I'm like, Evan might actually be dead. Uh, the Caminator says, let's face it. Uh, Osgood deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. With all the retirements and players leaving, who is the next player to follow in his footsteps to become an analyst for Fox Sports Detroit? Huh. I don't know. I, I would almost want to say Erickson. But I think he'll probably go back to Sweden. He doesn't have a big enough personality for it. Um, Drew Miller? Sorry, what did you say? Drew Miller Miller just went into insurance. Okay, that's a no. I said Cronwall maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Cronwall will be all right. 
I don't think there is like the pro. I think like Drew Miller was like the last of them. Maybe Abdulkader when he's done. I'm not sure what he's into. How weird would it be if it was Henrik Zetterberg? Oh ah, man, I would love it. Uh, third man in says last episode Evan pled the fifth on whether he was drinking vodka or water. Are Canadians allowed to plead the fifth? Pretty sure we're not. Uh, what are the chances Longfist gets his Ray Bork moment? Plays for the Colorado for two years, wins a cup, and has his jersey nonsensically retired. Uh, not zero. Yeah, I don't think it gets retired, but it gets retired by Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ray Bork happened with Ray Bork. Yeah. Um, okay, I am going to scroll back to my spot. Garrett TV says, Namaste, hockey, hockey yogis. He says, What feasible draft pick at fourth would leave you the most disappointed? Bonus question as I stand here deeply squatted into my warrior two, I can't help but wonder which current member of the Red Wings organization do you think is the best at yoga? Six on the ice and be sure to exhale as you reach for the sky and Chaturanga Tadasana. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, namaste. I mean, the obvious answer here is the goaltender, Jonathan Bernier, because he has to be the most flexible. So he he definitely, definitely can do a reverse wheel. I feel like some of the older guys might be able, might be into yoga as they try to keep Same up Gani. with the young guys. Same Gani is just an all-around good person. I would not be surprised if he does yoga to stay limber. Uh, most disappointed feasible pick? Oh, Askarov. Just because of the risk associated with it, I'd be living in perpetual anxiety until he actually comes over. I'd I'd go I'd go Holtz or Sanderson just because I don't think those guys have star ceilings. Are we saying like ultimate, like fourth overall pick that's feasible that you're the most disappointed with? I would have to say it's Askarov because I don't think a goalie at four is good value. It's ter- you, I think it's terrible value. And you know what we did here? We just absolutely confirmed that that's what's going to happen now because that's how the world works. The blood ritual is complete. <laughs> I th- the only reason I don't say Askarov is because I think there's a chance he ends up as one of the best three players in the draft. And then we pay him $11 million a year and screw ourselves in another way. Yeah, screw it. Matt Patricia's stand club has the shaking hands meme. It's the Lions and the Leafs. And it's blowing leads that should have been enough to win the game. Feel confident making this comment since they won't come back. The last six times the Lions held a double-digit lead, they've lost the game. That's an NFL record previously held by the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Here's hoping I, for Lucas I don't know. Raymond. I think the I think the Falcons are going to make a run for it. Here's hoping for Lucas Raymond, Matt Patricia hitting the open market, and maybe one other good thing happening before the week is over. Cameron Swick says, if the Red Wings draft Spaghetti, will they give him number ninety one, or will he have to pick a new number? He's definitely going to have to pick a new number. I will not stand for it. I don't think Eisenman would do it otherwise. He can have uh, Rick Nash's sixty one in spirit of that one trade rumor that one time. <laughs> Uh, Luke Southmade says, what are your guys' thoughts on picks 32 and 45 slash 55 to New Jersey for pick 20 so we can hopefully snatch one of either Reichel or Paterka and get the German mob going, also retire 91? Nope, not a big enough gap in talent from the late first to the second round this year to make me move multiple of those picks for it. Would I do 45 and 55 for it? Yeah, but I wouldn't include 32. No, it's too rich. Evan's bingo card says, Brad, do you know of any prospect who wears the number 69? Evan, now that I have your attention, what should the Red Wings <laughs> give up? <laughs> you guys are getting good at that. What should the Red Wings give up in order to acquire the 69th overall pick? 
Uh, that's for Darren you. Darren Helm. Oh, the ultimate meme. He'd go out a true hero. I think it's the only way the Helm Stand Clubs, the Helm Stand accounts, would be happy. He's gone, which sucks. But we got sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. I think Evans checked out. I'm reading which NHL players have worn the number sixty-nine. Andrew Desjardins. Don't ask me how I know that. Nicholas Backstrom wore it in the lockout for Dynamo Moscow. Hell yeah. I don't think we know of any prospects who are 69, though. No, I can't think of any. Uh, Wingnut says, hey, guys, longtime listener, finally doing this Patreon thingy. Thank you so much, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. You guys totally deserve it with the great work you put in. So question for you, what's the one thing you don't want to see this draft? Uh... I'm not going to lie to you as much as I will be able to stomach it. If it happens, I really don't want to see the Sanderson pick fourth overall. I'd rather ask Roth. I don't want Ottawa to pick Stutzla and Raymond because I would not be able to handle that. Seeing them six, seven, six times a year. I just, I wouldn't. And it, there's a strong likelihood it does, but like I'm, I'm praying it doesn't. Outside of those, I would say any trade at number four. I think that just injects way too much anxiety into me. <laughs> uh, Stevie's Yoga Matt says, Sup, guys. After doing more homework on Perfetti, I'm on board but still scared of bus potential. Who do you think the, is the biggest boomer bus potential around the fourth pick? I'm hearing Nugent Hopkins comparisons, and if everything goes right, is Ryan Nugent Hopkins worth the number four pick? I also asked Will Scouch if he'd come back on and defend my boy, boy Gushin. He thinks he has first-round potential, and he said he would, uh, but I'm sure he's busy right now. Anyways, thanks, guys, for all the draft coverage. You guys do a great job. Boom or bust potential around pick four? All right. That's you want to get... Well, goalie doesn't count. Yeah. Like, uh, Cole Perfetti is the obvious answer here, so I'm going to get weird. Quinton Byfield. No, man. I don't buy that. He's going to be an NHL player no matter what. I have faith in his tools, but until we really... We've never seen him like in true adversity yet. He's so physically dominant in the OHL because of his speed and size. I mean, and he doesn't even really use his size that much. So, I don't know. I, I want to say he didn't do anything in the World Juniors. I know it's a 17-year-old. That's hard. He did not have a great Halinka. I mean... Mm. I, I I can't say beyond certainty he's not just going to be a good second-line center. I mean, he's got absolute franchise potential, and I see it, and I get it. But I'm not sure he's going to get there. Uh, Joshua Bezura says, what's up, boys? Long time, no comment. Evan, I'm constantly topping the ball pretty much any time I'm not teed up. I've tried bending my knees a lot more to avoid this, but I'm told it's not a good habit to develop. What do you recommend? Get back further from the ball, maybe? Also, wish me luck, because I'm pretty sure my beer league team is going to buy me out if I don't put up three points tonight. I feel like when I get further from the ball, I top it slightly more because it's you know making my distance to the ball a little bit more. So that might not be it. There's a lot of things it could be. It's hard to say without seeing your swing. A lot of it's uh, to deal with grip and ball position, to be honest. My culprit uh, when that happens to me is I tend to straighten my legs in the middle of my swing. Like I'm almost trying to lift the ball. So I always have to put a bit of extra focus in staying down and just swinging through the ball rather than trying to give it loft, which is a bad habit I've had for a while. A lot of people who top the ball just are swinging too hard. That's really all it is. 
I know everyone always tells me, don't try to kill the ball. I'm like, okay. And then I'm swinging. I'm like, I'm fucking doing it. I just swing the shit out of that thing. Uh, Mo Money, Mo Pick says, hey, guys, seems to be big legs to the rumors of the Devils trading down their 20th pick to Detroit's second and uh, 32nd and 44th or 55th. Uh, we talked about top players available in that range. Also, a free agent question. Tyson Berry is a name that intrigues me as a possible option compared to Tory Krug for Detroit. Roughly the same age. Barry's coming off a rough season with the Make Me Laughs, where I think we can get him on a reasonable deal. Deal. He's one year removed from a 60-point season, and I see him as a guy similar to Mike Green when we brought him in. As always, go Wings and keep up the great work. I see where you're coming from, but the only way signing a guy like Tyson Barry would make sense is if we keep him around long enough to when we get to be good. And I don't like Tyson to do that with Tyson Barry at his age. If I did, I would just sign Tori Krug. I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams who will be looking to sign him anyway. Why would he come to Detroit unless we're going to pay him way more? And remember, Detroit's the rare exception where we have more depth on the right side than the left side. So Barry being a right shot is going to be a hot commodity still. Uh, OG Gold Spaghetti Name Giver says, Good day, Dud Duds. It has come to my attention that on the last episode of the Talkie Show, someone tried to pass it off, pass off Gold Spaghetti as their own work, and frankly, I was big mad. I was further enraged when universally hated Talkie Show host Rob Kopshow would not refer to this prospect by his new formal title. Heck you, Brad. For someone that thinks everything is an echo chamber these days, you ain't doing your part. What is your spiciest first round prediction in general? Anything goes, get wild. Ooh, let's get weird. Okay, I like that. Um, London. Wait, sorry. What was the the question? I'm gonna pull this list up again. Spiciest first round prediction in general. I think spiciest. I think Ottawa goes with neither Byfield, uh, Stutzla, or Raymond with their third pick. Spicy or hot take? Spicy. Like, is this grounded in some reality? Yeah, like, don't say, like, an asteroid's going to hit Eisman's laptop and accidentally draft Braden Schneider fourth overall, but, you know. Montreal Montreal uses pick 16 for an absolute blockbuster the day of. Hmm, I like that one. Um, Anton Lundell goes in the top five. Uh, I was thinking about that one. I think he might. Uh jersey time vegas dropped their stripper glitter gold jerseys and yeah just when you thought allowing four goals in five minutes was the worst thing vegas has done this comes along discuss i don't mind them it's it's a bit much but vegas is a bit much it's very on brand for them i don't know i I, like i I, I had to do gold for sure and if if you have an opportunity to do a gold jersey you take it i just think it looks like how i feel when i'm hungover and i maintain that so i i I liked it, but I couldn't my, put my finger on it about what was bothering me about it. And then I figured it out. They should have taken the red off of it. The red looks funny with it. It's not horrible, but if they had just went with the golden gray, like it would have been fine. But the red just, yeah, adds that like cheap element. Whereas their other jerseys are, are dark themed that the red brightens it up a bit and it works. It doesn't work on a jersey that already looks like freaking fremont street quick evan so at first i only saw the picture of it and it didn't have the sparkly in it and i was very confused as why people were all over them about it because i thought it looked pretty good and then i saw that egregious announcement video and then i understood i i was 
just as mad about that or disgusted at that video as I was the sparkling jerseys. So I wasn't saying quick, Evan, like you had to go fast. I meant before Brad um, was going to give you your opinion for it. No, I'm I leaned I, back, man. I couldn't have been more away from that. <laughs> I, I, Again, I think they had to do gold, but I think it looks terrible. Uh, he goes on to say, heck in Lions, man, when you have a double-digit lead, again, put it in a damn Stay Fresh cheese bag so the opposition can't get to it. Stay Fresh cheese bags, not a sponsor of the Lions, but a Fournier company. Stan Olsen says, hey, guys, hope all is well. I know... Uh, I hope you all know that ever since I've been listening, summer of 2016, I believe, we've taken Rasmussen, Zadina, and Sider. None of these players were really on our radar to be taken by Detroit. Who do you guys think is more likely? A t- or what do you think is more likely? A team trades into the top 10 for Askarov or two of Quinn, Amirov, Jarvis, Gooley, or Schneider going in the top 10? Uh, trade up for Askarov because I could see Carolina being all over that. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for the nonstop coverage over this long draft season. See y'all during the live stream on Tuesday. Uh, Yan Michael Larkin says, Hey, fellow hockey masochists, AKA Red Wings fans, aliens have invaded the invaded and challenged the Looney Tunes to a hockey game for the fate of the planet space jam style from what five players do they steal talent to create a super team? What superstar former player leads the tune squad against the alien menace? And why is it Yarmir Yager for bonus points? What Looney antics might bugs and company pull on the ice to give him the edge? Did they take powers from current players, though, in the NBA at that time? Yeah, they yeah, did. they did. They were all current players. Uh, they take... David hmm. Speed, Weber's shot, Patrick Kane's hands, um, Bufflin's size. Yeah, so that's two defensemen. We need another winger, like a left winger. Of Maybe Ovechkin. Yeah, Ovechkin well, and his and his one. He would he would a hundred percent want to be in that movie. Oh yeah, Carey Price would be the. No, Ovechkin, Ovechkin's the best candidate to be the guy who fights them. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be hysterical with his accent too. Um, Joseph Fornia says, "Hey there, fellas. Another long comment section, so I'll fire off some quick bullet points. Takes about three hours to get to Nassau from Manhattan, and barely anyone came to Barclays to see them there. Isles are not a New York City team. Might as well be Alaska for all Henrik Lundqvist cares. Uh, what is Helene St. James' obsession with Jamie Drysdale? She tries to pedal him off to Wings fans in every single article. Her own eulogy will include, in case you didn't know, Jamie Drysdale is available to Detroit at number four. As the Paul Bears flash jazz hands. Wow, I, I actually haven't read too much of it, but I guess her she really is strong on Drysdale. Uh, every time Tory Krug is brought up on the Hockey Central podcast, Jeff Merrick has to tag it each time with Detroit. He was just short of calling it a lock last week. I've seen a couple scouting reports criticizing Raymond's work ethic and com- compete level. Is this bullshit? Stay fresh cheese bags. See you Tuesday. Yeah, that's bullshit. There's a reason he added like 10 pounds of muscle in six months leading into the season. Yeah, no, that's a work ethic problem. Uh, Liz B says, uh, people are actually seriously suggesting that Detroit sign Lungfist. I'm assuming these people just became fans after the season and have been watching games from 2008 for some reason. <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels like that. Hank wants to win. It doesn't even matter if we want him. There is no reality in which he's coming here. Okay. We will take two Reddit questions. That's all we really have time for. Yeah, oh, actually, I really record another goddamn episode tonight. Uh, cross crease pass says, do you guys think if Askarov was a North American goalie, he'd be considered a top five pick for more people? No. Um, I don't think it's completely insane to, to say. 
All right, Brad, pick a number from one to four. One. <laughs> Winged Squigger says, do you think uh, we'll have more or less draft day trades than usual that GMs can't, fi- now that GMs can't physically meet each other and discuss before or during the draft? So I'm going to say less than what the public thinks because it's always less than what the public thinks, but I'm going to say more than previous years. Okay. Okay. Evan, more or less? I think it'll be less as well. I think um, with the delays, they're probably just going to say we'll take best player available and not trying to get cheeky. That concludes our 2020 NHL draft preview, our 2020 NHL draft uh pre-draft coverage uh like we said before live stream tuesday patreon exclusive episode dropping it beforehand uh which is rankings as well it's probably out by the time you're listening to this uh thank you all for tuning in um our name level patreon sponsors uh arjun shanker terry cody stark brand new uh name level sponsor welcome greech jeremiah dobo jake kiefer evan is looking at wap while recording podcasts andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay craig kibble brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam alkasem charlie elkins hana lee another former junior goalie turned golfer trevor pevavar Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Konick, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, and Quaz, as well as Stan Olson. Thank you all. We will see you on Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.